Hey everyone, welcome back to Fly Cool Shit. This week we have Eric Tucker on, and uh, we are super excited to have him on. It was a great episode. Wanted to give a shout out to his sponsor, Method 7 Eyewear. They created a promo code for you guys to use uh, to get 20% off their website, Sky-Cub. So use Sky-Cub at checkout for 20% off of uh, almost everything off their website. Um, doesn't include polarized uh, or grow eyewear, and it excludes custom prescription orders. Uh, but you guys get free shipping, 30-day, no questions asked returns and exchanges. And uh, they have a great forever warranty policy. So check out method7eyewear.com and use the promo code SKY-CUB at checkout. All right, let's start the show. Welcome to Fly Cool Shit, the show where Jeff Petro and Mark Pollard talk about aerobatics, unique airplanes, aviation news, and so much more. Hey, pilot, you're clear to enter the box. Smoke on. Hey, everyone. Welcome to episode 33 of Fly Cool Shit with uh, Mark P. and Jeffrey P. What's up, dude? What's up, man? Dude, we have... What an epic day. And it's we're going to go into the next... This is technically a two-day event that we're doing right now. You almost drowned in a car tonight. So I'm alive. I'm, I, that's why I'm excited because I'm not dead. I drove through some pretty sweet. Some mid, if you can imagine the movie Twister, I was to the point where I wanted to take my belt off and tie myself to a bridge because I thought I was going to die. That's it was getting really serious. Like uh, I really thought I was going to going to bite it on the ground just in a Kia. One more reason to of Tennessee. avoid Tennessee. Yeah, let's just add that to the list of things to avoid. No, but I had something I didn't we didn't really even talk about this yet, but something totally epic happened. And our guest our guest is on right now. We're gonna introduce him in a second, but he hasn't even heard me talk about this. But I got a message from um Don Goulian. And Donnie I, G. Donnie G is getting nervous. He is nervous about my monster energy sponsorship. He is now <laughs> setting he is now setting limits that I need to meet certain criteria, which no I just I feel like maybe on Monday night or Tuesday night before he texted me, he like woke up in a cold sweat. Like you know, like you're sleeping and you just like in those horror movies, you just wake up and he was just having a nightmare of him in the Monster Energy crew shirt, no name, wiping wiping bugs off my leading edges. And I I'm not gonna I mean, I'm happy. I it makes me feel feel good and makes me want to get the monster energy sponsorship. So if anybody's listening. And you have a hook so, with the monster energy. Call two me, things please. I want to add to this. <laughs> or message Mike. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Send your <laughs> text 408-823. No, um so Gideon, I was pull, I was pulling into the driveway when I saw that group text and I was like, it's if you would have told me a year ago that I'd be getting group text with Mike Gooley and I'd be like, what the fuck, dude, this is, that, that's the craziest shit. I, I can't even imagine. I dropped but, my phone. It was like, it was like, it, it was like 200 degrees. I was like, Oh, holy shit. <laughs> <laughs> my phone made a sound. It's never made before. It's like VIP. Um, like Nate, my son was like, daddy, I just want to tell you about sh- Mason. Shut up. <laughs> <laughs> shut up, kid. <laughs> Oh, I love you. Dad, I can't swim. Shut up. Shut um, up. I'll be right there. I think also 
w- before he comes out and cleans your airplane, it's going to happen. Hey, hey, Mike, love you. Uh, Sorry. Just can't say enough nice things about you. It's good. If it, this is going to happen, I think it's, it's so close. We're really close to inking this deal. And when it happens, I, we're going to find, we got to find the thickest non-biodegradable sludge smoke oil and just, just Doesn't. run tanks through that airplane. Do you think that Matt Chapman so would come on our team? What if we got Matt Chapman on our team to be Mike Gullian's pit crew boss, like head, like, you know what, NASCAR, you know, the guy that sits up in a tent with you the radio. Spot, water? Mikey. Yeah. And then you and I would just like walk in, inspect and be like, you gotta be fucking kidding me. <laughs> what the again. fuck is this? What's going right, on over get, here? We need Eric. I feel like this is terrible. We're so fucking unprofessional. This is I'm so sorry. We got fucking an amazing we have the guest of guests. You do it so good though. You have such a good voice. And I like I like hearing okay. you talk. Uh, I'll do it. <laughs> we have we have, in my opinion, and I wanna I, I I can't wait to get his opinion on kind of where he fits in the air show hall of fame and aerobatics and flying in general. But I would say that this is Certainly somebody for me, for the av- for the aerobatic geek, is certainly you would know this person. This is like Fight Club he, shit. This is underground. It shit. is kind of Fight Club shit, right? You know? Like, uh, he's been around forever. He's done it all. He knows everybody. He's done everything. Incredible. Eric Tucker, ladies and gentlemen. What's Welcome up, Eric? <laughs> What's up? I'm so excited. So um, I can't believe we have Eric Tucker recording. on the show. Like, this is such a pinch me moment. Like, how did the show get to the point where we have Eric Tucker? Well, I just, I just have to tell you, we're live. Oh god! And we told you that it wasn't going to be about your dad. We were just kidding. This is all about your dad. <laughs> no, um, dude, super excited to have you on. I've been, I've been just such a huge fan of you for a long for, shit. It feels like decades now, dude. Feels like decades. Um, you, which is it has been decades. I mean, how old are you, or how long have you been doing air shows and being in the air show world involved in one way, shape, or another? It's been several decades. Oh yeah, I mean, I I sort of grew up around. I've been I've been I sort of grew up around it, you know. And I, I started narrating my dad's act when I was nine, um, and I was hanging out at shows uh, well before that. But so I mean, that's like thirty years ago. Um, but it's funny when you when you mention all that, you know, everything I thought was that like um, you know like going to air shows, but in particular like Oshkosh and I'm going to be flying Oshkosh with our comedy act um, for the first time this year. Um, oh, hell yeah. Congratulations. Congratulations. Yeah, and I, I, thanks man. Yeah, no, I haven't flown Oshkosh for like 10 years or so now. And, um, but you know, yeah, the thing that I'm most Oshkosh excited about, like 40 years. <laughs> but the, the thing that I'm most excited about is that it really, it's, um, it's kind of like a family to me. I mean, it's kind of like going back to, it's like a Thanksgiving, like family reunion because I grew up around like, you know, it's sort of like a traveling circus type of um, deal where, like, you see all these circus performers, air show performers all over the country. But there's only one place where everybody all comes together, um, and that's Oshkosh. Well, and then ICAST as well. Um, but, sure. uh, but yeah. So, well, so wait, um, you were it's, you were. I just, I just want to get this. You were nine years old when you first announced an air show. <laughs> yeah, I was nine years old. The the local air show announcer. How the, how the hell do you get like? I'm picturing like. You got to take us back. Like, so you're nine years old. How do you, what do you, you probably don't even remember you were so young. I don't remember what I was doing at nine years old. I, I was maybe like looking at Victoria's Secret, like magazines 
and like you'd buy that like that plastic locker from whatever you remember the plastic like basketball lockers that they were selling like back in the day and you put it in your room that's what i was doing like how do you prep yourself to like announce a show at nine because like there's professionals out there like danny kleischman and rob Ryder. like did you have a big boom mic like rob Ryder? (laughs) <laughs> no so i it kind of all boiled down to this like you know i was nine years old and full of opinion you guys both have kids right um yeah. how old are your kids I don't my oldest is eight and i can't <laughs> imagine her announcing anything for me let alone an air show yeah so my, um so my mine are seven and nine now uh how about you joe uh four and five four and five yeah so um but you know Amen. so like they all have all kinds of opinions right and so I was, um, we were at this air show in Sussex, New Jersey, um, and I was totally dissatisfied with the announcer. I mean, I used to always watch my dad's show, and then I'd give him tips on, you know, what looked good and what looked bad and stuff like that, and, you know, what maneuvers he uh, needs to work on and all that sort of thing, in my professional opinion. <laughs> That's great. <nine. laughs> yeah. And uh, I was pissed on the drive home. I'm like, Dad, that's the worst announcer ever. He has no idea what any of your maneuvers are called. You know, he called he called your son of Edwin, which is like this vertical lamshavak to a uh, torque roll. He's like he called your per- he, he literally called your son of Edwin a purple people eater, and I was pissed. I was like, <laughs> I could even do a better job than that. And my dad said, Okay, well, why don't you try it? <laughs> I was like, Oh, uh, 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 what? what? <laughs> uh, I think. I- <laughs> <laughs> and they they introduced me at the air show the next day um you know now to here to announce sean tucker's routine is eric tucker and he handed me the mic and i turned around and you know sussex it was like the smallest air show ever um one of my favorite air shows of all time is in sussex new jersey and there's like you know maybe ten thousand people there um but it felt like all of them were looking at me when he did that and i was like oh and like i, I was silent for you know probably just a couple of seconds but um it felt like a damn eternity and um and then you know what happened is that like i turned around i looked out um at the at the air show and i think i said like ver- word for word this like if you had taken Danny Clishan's narration of my dad's Eric's act and Gordon Bowman Jones narration of my dad's act and just spliced them together, I said every word they said. Um, so it was all plagiary. That's amazing. Danny Clishan doesn't even talk was, to you anymore. You just hated amongst all air show announcers right now. They all hate <laughs> you, you. You know, Danny, uh, when I was 16, Danny, um, this is one of my favorite stories ever. When so I was 16 years old, and Danny gave me my first car. It was uh, a 1976 Cadillac Eldorado that Danny had since it was new. Um, Wait, time out. And, I'm picturing like it's like a scene from like Casino because you stole Danny's job as an announcer, so he gives you the car from like Casino that blows up <laughs> as soon as you turn the key. <laughs> Here you go. Here you go, Eric. Thanks a lot. Good Enjoy your birthday. <laughs> yeah, so, he, so he had it shipped out from uh, from Michigan for me. Uh, and it was a, it was all red, red leather interior, convertible, and stuff like that. Um, and so that was my first car. But my favorite story of that car was actually before I had it, and it was um, it was the moment that Doreen Hillard met Danny Clisham for the first time, and um, he pulled up at Oshkosh. I believe at Oshkosh. It could have been another air show. Anyways, he pulled up at some air show at like seven in the morning, um, it, with the top down. And he had uh, three or four beautiful women in there. They're all in like, Danny was in a tuxedo, of course. They were all in, um, 
like cocktail dresses or whatever, and they were drinking champagne. And the car had sat out overnight, and they'd been going from the night before apparently, but the car had sat out overnight, and the car had like six or eight inches of water in it because it rained. <laughs> oh, <laughs> no. And they opened the door and got out, and that was the first time Dorian Hill had ever met Danny Clisham. <laughs> Mark, I think we need tell to go me, to the air show announcing business. Dude, tell me, tell me a reason why air shows today are better than then after hearing that story. Oh, I mean, that's just like the most classic story oh, ever, right? <laughs> oh, my that's God. That's crazy. So so from then on, were you doing air shows, uh, announcing full-time for your dad on the, well, on the circuit? Yeah, I mean, like my whole summer vacation I'd, I'd spend uh, announcing. And that was kind of right at the time. Um, well, I guess it, it was – my dad was kind of in a transition period there. Um, you know, he had a sponsor. Uh, it was uh, Randolph Sunglasses at that time. I but love Randolph say, sunglasses, by the way. Oh, I'm a Method 7 fan. I was <laughs> just going to say that. Right. Sunglasses and, and shove it. <laughs> you're such a, like, yo, you were in so the 1950s. <laughs> you're, like the, uh, you're like the wage world. Like, I will not bow down to sponsorship Method 7. <laughs> Dude, I'm wearing a Method 7 pump suit right now. <laughs> love it. Love it. <laughs> Yeah, it's just terrible. These guys that just bow down to sponsors. <laughs> <laughs> so wait, before, before we start, like really moving on, because I wanted to um, ask you because it was you and then Jimmy Franklin's son. Um, oh, I always forget the kid's name. Um, Kyle. Kyle. Kyle Franklin. You guys were both like we get. I think you're, he's maybe older than you, I would guess, but couple um, years he was announcing too, right? Or yeah, his dad yeah. was just like, "Fuck, man, go stand out on my wing." Can you imagine if, like, yeah, your dad, like, what the fuck? Like, my dad would, like, if I was like, yo, Jeff, go stand out on that wing really quick, I'd be like, no, <laughs> no, no, no thank I you. mean, I, so, um, yeah, so I grew up with, grew up with Kyle at all the air shows and stuff, and yeah, he was a couple years older than me, like, um, maybe three or something like that, two or three years old, but you know, when you're like nine years old and he's 12, that's kind of a big deal, right? Um, oh, yeah, and, um, and so, yeah, so I'm, I mean, like, yeah, I grew up with those guys and, um, you know, I always have the fondest memories. I mean, I think, you know, uh, Kyle's just total badass and he's been a badass ever, ever since we were kids. You know what I mean? Like when we were like, one of my favorite memories of him was like the first, he got into BMX biking and, um, we're at the Truckee Tahoe air show. Um, you know, and I was like, I think this is before I started announcing, I was probably like eight and he's 11 or something like that. And he was just shredding on the BMX. I mean, you know, doing all like the coolest things where you're, um, all the BMX tricks, I don't even know what they're called, you know, but whipping, whipping going back, going up on the nose and whipping the, whipping the tail around. And I mean, he was like, you know, he's, he's a badass. Like Sammy Mason's a badass. Dude. I remember (laughs) having like a BMX. (laughs) Off air. (laughs) Yeah. Off air. You were saying some shit. Oh, Sammy Mason. I mean, it's getting a little creepy. I thought he was just like a big Tucker fan, but like, dude, we just sold him this pits and I delivered it down there for him. And, you know, it seems all good and stuff. And it's I always got kind of weird vibe from him. But, but, dude, it's no, I how much he wants to be like you. It really dude, is. I, I don't even think get this. You didn't think I went off the plane. Your name is still dude, on the plane from when dude, I went. Dude, I went into his bathroom because he lives in the hangar, right? So I went into his bathroom in the hangar because I've been flying for a couple hours, right? Dude, he had a poster of me in a speedo on his bathroom. I have no idea where he even got the thing. That's his, uh, this is not surprising at all. (laughs) That's motivation. Yeah. That's his motivation. Sounds very, uh, very par for the course. (laughs) Um, 
you know, it's it's sad news, but <laughs> the people need to the, our audience needs to hear it. I can't keep it up. I love Sammy Mason <laughs> maybe more than he loves me. <laughs> Honestly, I'm I probably have a picture of Sammy Mason in a speedo. Like, <laughs> Everybody should. Yeah, I'm a huge fan. It's, it's so funny speaking. Speaking of Son of Edwin, like he just posted a good tutorial in in that pits in the ex Satima S two B doing the Son of Edwin uh, maneuver and walked through it. The, the fucking he's an animal, man. Um, he's an yeah. animal. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. you know. I mean, I think the um, I think the thing is so like you know, I just met Sammy a couple years ago, two three years ago now, or something like that. But um, but you know, one of my buddies used to go to the Cub Flying, the West Coast Cub Flying, um, you know, for years. And Sammy, I guess, grew up going to that, and so. Um, I think this is Sammy's secret is that he has his whole life just been like super into figuring things out, like physical sort of movement, spatial awareness type of things, you know, cause like one of my buddies said that when he was like, you know, nine, 10 years old or something like that at the cub flying, you know, he was flying with his dad all the time and stuff. And then he got old enough to fly and he was always like winning the spot landing comp- competition and stuff like that. And then, but then after all the flying was done, he was skateboarding. He was like pushing picnic tables together and all in from one table to the next. And, oh, um, so I think Sammy's just like, you know, and we just went and hung out with him. My son and I, we just went and hung out with him and he was, um, now he's like into figuring out motorcycles. So he's building like this little, you know, motor, motocross, you know, whatever jump track. Um, and he's just shredding and he's just totally into figuring things out. And I think that's why he's so bad at, badass at aerobatics because his entire life is all about just figuring out how to do cool shit yeah yeah you, you, well, you can really cool tell stuff. how he can break down the the anatomy of uh whatever he's doing yeah it's pretty cool pretty cool yeah, I'm, but, I'm but, I think, I, but i think that's the juice like that's that's part of like you know because uh i think getting into like aerobatics and like the psychology of it is um you know there's a lot of stuff so, I mean, there's a lot of stuff that goes goes into it, and almost all of it happens faster than you can think. I mean, um, when Ben Freelove started going, getting into snap rolls, what he did, I mean, Ben's just, Ben's one of my favorite minds of all time, but he, um, you know, he's really just sort of like a scientist engineer. He just, he um, comes up with a hypothesis, and then unbiased, he just figures out, okay, well, how are we going to test this hypothesis? So for snap rolls, he downloaded, like, every single snap roll video in cockpit and out out of the cockpit um, video that he could find of every single aerobatic pilot that you could possibly name, you know, from um, world contests, air shows all over the place, every, every single reputable pilot he could possibly find. Um, And he found out that nobody, his, he, the basic premise he came up with is that it happens too fast, faster than you can think. And so, and everybody's theory of what they do is completely wrong. Um, you know, for example, uh, I think one of the stories he told me is that, and I, this is all secondhand. So sorry, Mikey. <laughs> well, so uh, also, before you tell the story, he came into the local chapter meeting, chapter 38, and, and basically gave the dissertation that, um, you know, on snap rolls on how to do the perfect snap roll. It was, I'm not, I don't remember specifically Mike Gullion, but I think I've talked about it on this podcast. Like it's, it was uh, memorable um, how detailed and how much work Ben put in to breaking down the anatomy of a snap roll. It was insane. Yeah. It's totally beautiful. You know, so like one of the stories I remember him saying is that like, 
you know, so Mike Goulian apparently what he told Ben or what Ben told me, I could be getting the right name wrong, but I think it was Mike. He said, you never put Aileron into the snap roll or whatever. Um, and then, um, and then Ben watches the video and it turns out Mike puts full Aileron into every snap roll. <laughs> of course. And, uh, and, but, so, but the thing is that nobody. We're back recording. That was, I don't know. That was weird. It was just, it popped up in there. I guess what, it, you know, um, with, uh, freaking power issues in Tennessee. Who knows? Oh, fuck you. It's not me. <laughs> it was weird. Anyway, sorry, Eric. You, uh, so sorry, folks, we got disconnected. Um, Eric, you were talking about how uh, shitty Goulian is. Have you ever seen him fly without those glasses? Because man, when he flies with those glasses, he actually does pretty good. He should have. He would look. Be- he would look better with some Method Seven glasses. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying. There we go. Oh man, I love Mikey G. Man, he's such an idol. Oh <laughs> yeah, total um, legend. But yeah, so it's funny ben too. Free you love. talk about like with snaps, it happens so fast. Like you know, I'll like do something, and then I'll go back and look at the recording, and I'll be like. I barely probably added some aileron to that. And it's like, yeah, it's fucking stick is shoved into the corner. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. It wasn't until I still, I, until I started filming my flying, it, it was actually with Jeff. Like Jeff started critiquing some of my flying. I, I had no idea what I was doing. Not, not in terms of like input, but I'd be like, oh, I don't, th- I don't just like, dude, you're for sure letting go of the rudder and the snap. And I'm like, I don't think so. And then sure as shit, halfway through the snap, I'm like neutralizing the rudder every single fucking time, like clockwork. And it's like, man, I had no idea I was doing that. I, w- I would have bet money on me not doing that. Well, I would have never known until you see the video. I would have had some of that pollen <laughs> money. I would have, some of that, I would have had some of that lift money. <laughs> shit. <laughs> Crazy. Hey, Eric, do you know that Mark is sponsored um, by Lyft? I'm not. <laughs> he is. That's because he's woke as fuck. If he if he if he wasn't, he'd be sponsored by Uber. There we go. <laughs> exactly. Oh my god. You can have any sponsorship. Eric, if you can have any sponsorship that wasn't relatable, what would it be? Don't say method. I said so. <laughs> so mine was Yankee Candle. That was mine. I'd want. I'd want to be Yankee a Yankee Candle spokesman. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think Mark was Windex, right? <laughs> what was yours? <laughs> I I kind of want to revise it to HP printers. HP, like I want to well, I want to I want to represent Hewlett Packard. So I I, I kind of have a personal one, but you know the um I I Pam- think I'd go with, I'd, I'd go with the Floby. <laughs> the what? All right, the Floby. <laughs> what the hell was that? Is that a California thing? Isn't that the thing that cuts your hair? The vacuum haircutting system? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I like it. But I'm not going to lie. I actually do cut my hair with a Floby. Do you really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I, I swear to God, when you order them, when, when you order them, I swear they made like a million too many of them in 1988 because I think they just, they have a warehouse full of them and they pull the box off the shelf and ship it to you because the marketing materials, the box, everything about it is just like it came off the shelf in 1988. It's pretty hilarious. It sucks but yeah, as it cuts. <laughs> exactly. It does suck. <laughs> oh my God. All right. So I guess we're, we're just going to like, this podcast is officially changing changing course here we got to talk about the floby for the next hour and a half <laughs> i have so many questions no i want to um 
I want to get back to Ben Freelove. We've talked about, I think Jeff and I both have talked about this and several people agree. The fact that he kind of fell, I mean, I know he went to Red Bull and, and, and was, um, you know, consulting there and, and took a different path. But the fact that he stopped high level competition is a fucking travesty. What a relief for people that were going to compete against him. Though. <laughs> that there is that, yeah. um, he was really talented. I mean, he is, he is talented, but like it was, I, he was a real pleasure to fly. I mean, he was uber watching good. him, dude, watching him freaking maneuver the, the edge 540 was a, it was a real joy. It's a shame. It was delightful. Yeah, back. yeah absolutely. I mean, I think, you know, I think it, it, knowing Ben though, it's like, it, it totally makes sense where he's, he's at because he's, he is such a scientist. Um, and I can just imagine him being um, just phenomenal for, for Yoshi and his team. Um, well, yeah. You because flew with he, him a lot with formation. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So how yeah, was yeah, that? Ben, like, did you yeah, fly off ben, him? Or? Yeah, so, I mean, in the collaborators, um, my dad was uh, the lead. Ben was number two, I was number three, and uh, Bill was number four. So, um, yeah, I mean um, – that's, I spent a lot of time with Ben when he first came over. I actually kind of hired him according to like Bill Stein's suggestion. We were looking for a new instructor for um, Tutima, and um, and uh, I asked Bill. I was like, "Bill, who do you think?" And he's like, "Oh man, the only guy I'd look at is Ben Freelove." Um, and uh, yeah, so we. Why did he came- say that at the time? Uh, so he he Ben at that point. I think he was instructing in aerobatics in. Um, uh, out of Livermore at the time, and he'd done a couple competitions. Um, and Ben was actually at my first, uh, first. God, was he at Acro Sport or Attitude? Uh, I don't know. I... It was probably Attitude. Uh, and then he Dude, bought a little what... S two A, and that's um, wild. yeah, and um, and somebody crashed his S two A. We talked about airplane, pro- you know, partnerships or whatever. Somebody ground looped yeah. pretty bad. Um, so he had an airplane. I wouldn't know anything fly. about that. I wouldn't know anything about that. <laughs> right, and um about paying for airplanes that you can't fly. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Wouldn't know anything about that. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, so the time just worked out and, uh, Ben came down. Um, yeah. And we did, uh, I did, I did a bunch of flying with him, helping him kind of figure out what our syllabus was and, and, um, you know, teaching him how to centrifuge the pits and, you know, all the, you know, just kind of went through everything, all the subtleties that I knew. And then, um, but you know, the first time that I ever saw Ben like really light up in this kind of like, just like next level scientific kind of thought uh, was when um, I told him, I was like, dude, have you ever put tufts on, on a pits and done aerobatics? And he's like, no. And so put what uh, on put it? A, Wait, what? Tufts. So like little tufts of yarn, you know, kind of like the little you, strings. Yeah. Yeah. Like you see yeah. like test pilots do to visualize flow over the wings and stuff. Um, yeah, yeah. And, um, and he's like, no. And so we, we put a bunch of tufts all over the wing um, and then that was like, all of a sudden Ben came like his, his scientific mind came alive and, um, and well, you ruined him after that because the, the, I, we watched an, like an hour worth of videos on him snap rolling with tufts all over the airplane. And I, <laughs> oh, I, can't remember if it, totally. I can't remember if it was the edge or if it was the Tatima or the, you know, like the, uh, the, you know, the three thirty or I guess back then, I don't know if it was the three thirty, but anyway, um, yeah, just snap roll after snap roll after snap roll after snap roll with tufts. I love snap rolls. I love them. <laughs> I love snaps. I would love to talk to Ben Freelove. Fuck you, Eric. Is, is, <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> no, um, he's like he's he's really uh, 
I mean, the guy is just, I love talking because I'll, I am never going to be that smart ever. So, uh, just here from Long Island, being, Eric, you know, <laughs> I hate you so much. I really do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, you know, we guys. do the antibiotics over there, you know? <laughs> so, all right. You announced for a long time. What, I mean, it's no, no surprise that you became a pilot. Um, did you, I mean, did you want to become a pilot? Was there a natural thing there or did, did Sean push you or like, you know, or, I mean, I'm not push, but nudge, or, I mean, were you just like, yeah, this is, this is the path. I mean, obviously this is the path. Um, you know, I think, um, that's a, that's a good question. I think, you know, I don't remember being like my, my son right now, the nine-year-old Phoenix, he's like the biggest aviation geek, like I've, um, I've ever met in all the best kind of ways. I mean, um, you know, he, he wants to talk about airplanes all the time. He's got a million airplane awesome. books. He's always looking at airplane. Um, he's always thinking about airplanes so much so that his little brother's like, Oh gosh, more airplanes. <laughs> and, oh, I, love so it. I, I think I was probably more like his little brother, Malloy, um, our seven year old. And, um, like, and I think I was probably, you know, that's a good question for like my mom or my dad, but I think I was just sort of into like, like all the things, you know what I mean? Like biking and surfing and, you know, we got, as a family, we got way into scuba diving for a little while. I mean, I think I was oh, just cool. kind of into like, kind of all the things. I mean, there's a list like a mile long of the things I'd like to do in life, uh, music, all this stuff. And so, um, but I had some like really, really, really incredible opportunities in aviation. So it's like aviation is one of the things that's on my list. And I, you know, like every door that could ever possibly be open for me, especially as a kid was like, you know, right at my fingertips. So I it was right there. Yeah. Yeah. So I took advantage of that. And I, um, you know, I traveled on the road with my dad from when I was like nine to 16. And then, you know, especially, I mean, shoot, by the time I was like 12, probably, um, my dad wasn't doing any of his own ferrying. I mean, he had some pretty big time sponsorships, so he was working real, real hard. And so, um, he would actually airline home between shows and then I would stay on the road and fly the Cherokee six with Brian Norris and then that, which turned into a Seneca. Um, and shout out um, to Brian Scott Norris, dude. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Brian and Clyde, man, both legends. Those good yep. dudes. But, um, yeah. but yeah, so I would, I would just stay on the road and travel with them. And then, um, it, you know, so, um, it was really kind of a cool experience. Um, you know, obviously in terms of flying, but also just in terms of life, you know, I mean, I spent most of my summers hanging out with adults, um, which I think most kids don't. And so since I did, I mean, I saw like all the best and all the worst of adults, <laughs> you know, I mean, which we want to, we want to dive into, <laughs> right? uh, we want to, we want to get some, you know, we want to, yeah. Anyway, finish. Yeah. We're going to dive. We, yeah. We're going to get deeper. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I mean, I was like, and so, um, it, but it was like, it was a really, um, I think kind of worldly experience. I mean, I think it was sort of more similar to, it seems like, you know, sort of the European kid experience, I think is Americans, especially like back in that age, it was more like parents wanted to portray more the leave it to beaver side of themselves to kids rather than, um, just who they are. Whereas European kids seem like they just stay up and hang out with, you know, the family at all hours of the night kind of thing. There's less sheltering between kid and adult or something, I guess. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so I just sort of grew up, um, you know, on summer, you know, like Patty Wagstaff and Steve and Suzanne Oliver and Mike Goulian and Jimmy Franklin so and uh, all these guys were kind of my friends. To, like, like watch on circuit, like when you were like 12, like in the middle of the era that you were like announcing, like, I don't know if I could go back for me and see somebody perform again. I think I might go with, uh, right now in my head, probably Rocky Hill. Yeah. I mean, I Rocky, he was, dude, you know what? 
get fuck you. You love me. I, I was gonna me. say Rocky Hill, and <laughs> you just you just you know you just you snatched you snatched it from me. Oh, I just laughed and farted at the same time. <laughs> that was funny. <laughs> <laughs> oh God. All right. all right. Well, that's the show, everybody. No, um, yeah, Rocky Hill's a good one, man. Rocky Hill's a real good one. Dude, that yeah. guy flew so hard. I loved it. Yeah, Rocky's like one of the all-time badasses for sure. You know, um, I think I'd probably have to go um, – man, I, I looked up to so so many of them. Um, I mean, like, you know, Ed Shipley in terms of, uh, like, formation was always one of my favorite. Like, watching the dual, the flight of Mustangs, or what do they call that? The, uh, the Horsemen. Horsemen, Flying Horsemen, yeah. The, um, they were great. Watching Ed and, Ed and Lee fly formation yeah. was just beautiful. I mean, Ed just did such a beautiful, I mean, Lee must have been the most badass lead ever, I gotta imagine. But, uh, um, but you know, and Ed was just always... Um, so smooth about his, any formation changes or any positioning that he wanted to do. It was always just so smooth. I mean, I remember, I remember fl- flying in the Seneca on a photo flight and watching him, you know, b- almost put his canopy uh, of the F 86, like almost got it touching the wing. Um, and it was just like this beautiful, slow, smooth move. I mean, he's kind of like almost high alpha <laughs> in the F 86 yes. with the Seneca firewall. Right. But the, um, and then watching the flying horseman. So Ed, awesome. Ed Shipley is, uh, way up there um leo loudenslager was just like um, leo man so let me ask you a question about leo like we i i never got to see him live but there's some videos of him on uh, youtube but like is it one of those things where like it doesn't even compare to seeing him when like live uh, you know, I, I think it's like, um, there's a lot of time period thing, you know? So I think, I, you know, I was listening to your guys talk with Matt Chapman the other day and, um, you know, um, I, I think it's, it's like watching, watching, watching him now on YouTube is so different than watching it then. Um, in particular, because, um, it was like, you know, he was, I, I feel like it, my perspective and I was really, really young when I was watching him. Um, and, um, you know, he probably, he probably died when I was, I don't know, maybe 10 years old or something like that. And, um, but you know, he, he was just, he was explosive, precise, um, a scientist of it all. And, you know, I mean, I feel like it was more, that was sort of, he was sort of the first person in my mind that was flying, flying like that. Um, and, um, you know, the maneuvers, you know, like the, the most extreme maneuver was a Lomshavok that they were doing. I mean, there was no, no tumbles or anything, but I remember him doing this, like, you know, snap roll thing where it was like, you know, three quarter snap to the right, you know, two point rolls to the left outside snap outside three quarter snap. I mean, it was just like, pow, 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 boom. And then everything, everything was Jeez. on purpose. Everything was super tight. You know, the beautiful thing about the laser is that it was all right in front of you. I mean, the tops of his maneuvers, I got to imagine, you know, I've never flown a laser, but the tops of his maneuvers are probably like 1200 feet or something like that. So it was, um, his, his, his routine watching those, it, it, you're so right. I mean, it was like, you couldn't get, I mean, it was right in front of you. The entire thing was right in front of you, at least from the video perspective. I never got to see him perform either, but that's yeah. yeah. My memory of it was that it was like everything, you know, his wind correctors, you know, he was so far ahead of the airplane um, that, uh, I mean, it was evident that he was master in charge. I mean, you watch some people, you know, they're, um, you you can just tell um, when people are loose, people are flying behind the airplane or when people are just like, uh, you know, two maneuvers ahead 
um, as well as being exactly in the moment and doing exactly what the airplane needs to do, like at any given moment. Um, so yeah, so Leo was a beautiful thing to watch. And then, you know, um, and I've always been, um, more drawn. I mean, uh, you know, I'm doing the comedy act now. So like, you know, uh, Jimmy Minning, um, was a total hero, Kent Peach, all these guys, you Kent know, and Peach. then, um, and, but I think always like throughout time, some of my favorite people to watch, especially when I was really, really young, um, was like Jimmy Franklin. Jimmy Franklin was just uh, this maestro in my mind of just like freestyle, the the art of aerobatics. So, um, you know, man, watching Jimmy. So especially like way back in the day, watching Jimmy Franklin and Elliot Cross uh, fly together or Jimmy Franklin and Bobby Yonkin um, fly together was always uh, always some of my favorite. Oh, dude. And it was crazy. Like, you know, they, the engineering back then compared to what's available to like, like now we can use computers to see if like certain stuff's going to work. But like back then they were like, oh, well, let's just stick a jet engine to this thing. And, you know, I think it, let's try you know, it out. Can, let's try it out. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, sure, I'm sure there was a I'm lot pretty, more that went into it. I'm kind of like just talking like, like uh, joking around a little bit, but it's, but still like, you know, there, it was like, cutting edge stuff that like they didn't know if it was going to work right you know no, i mean the, the guys the, the guys who put together shockwave the jet truck are the ones that put his uh his i'm, I'm pretty sure um that's my recollection of are the ones who put his jet engine on the waco it was i think it was totally you know arkansas engineering at its finest you know uh, <laughs> yeah. didn't he burn off the tail arkansas like, engineering that's a great way to put it <laughs> yeah didn't he didn't he like burn off the tail or something because he didn't put the vent down enough and like, oh, came not, back. you know, <laughs> I, I would love to know all the ins and outs of, of how that whole story evolved. Um, I have, I don't know any of the details, but you, you, aren't you I like mean, you gotta imagine like, yeah. we're going to put it, you know, it's, you know, it seems like a great idea, guys. <laughs> <laughs> we're going to put a dead it, engine in between my wheels on a walkout. It's going to be on a fabric awesome. airplane, <laughs> on a wooden yeah. fabric airplane, basically. But you know what's fucked up is they probably thought of some other stuff that was so outlandish that not even they would do it. Like, this was the most toned down thing that they can think of. They were probably thinking of, like, putting, like, Jado assist rockets on the end struts or some bullshit. <laughs> yeah. I, I, mean, I have no, no doubt. But, I mean, watching yeah. Jimmy fly that thing, I mean, he was at, you know, he was at D&E, like, basically the whole time. I mean, poor Kyle, like, you know, as a wing walker, you know, it seems pretty <laughs> brutal. But, like, oh, you know, yeah, you got to imagine that, that. Like, at least at the top of a loop, you're going, like, 60 miles an hour, which has got to just feel like a total break compared to, like, V&E, right? But... You know, yeah. and then flying on the jet walker, he was V and E all the way around the loop. He'd pull vertical, go three thousand feet up, V and E the whole time. Like poor Kyle was just Dude. like oh. <laughs> That is crazy. I never thought of it like that. Yeah. But you know, like um one of my favorite memories of Kyle too was we were in Battle Creek, Michigan, and he was probably like fourteen or maybe fifteen at the time or something like that. And um and that was when he was learning to um yeah, he was learning to be a wing walker. And so after Jimmy flew the show, you know, Jimmy had a, you know, another wing walker, um, a new, a number of wing walkers throughout the years, but Jimmy was, um, flying the show and, uh, or after he got done flying the show, sorry. Um, you know, Kyle was always like crewman, like, you know, just right there kind of in the thick of it. Um, and, um, but he was learning to be a wing walker. So after the show, Jimmy would fire up the engine and he'd run that thing up to like, you know, probably, three quarter throttle or something like that. And Kyle would practice a million times getting, getting into his seat inside the airplane and then coming out, climbing out in all the prop wash, climbing up through the struts 
and getting on that top rack and then climbing back down. I mean, I, you know, I, I saw him pro- just that weekend alone. I saw him practice that probably a hundred times going up and down and in and out. Um, so, it, you know, him becoming a wing walker was um, years in the making and very, very thoughtful. And Did you um, ever think about doing a wing walking act on the uh, Oracle Challenger? <laughs> I don't open, know about the whole wing walking canopy, hop, hop off Sean's lap. Close the canopy. Get onto the strut. You know, I'm. I, I you know, I, I, I do some bold things like in life. Like, you know, I love to like surf big waves, and I love to like you know fly air shows. Like, you got to be there's there's a level of boldness that you got to have to do all those things. But um, but within that sphere, like, I'm pretty darn cautious about how I approach, all, you know, all those things. And um, man, wing walking is something that I don't know that I ever want to do. <laughs> Fuck Dude, that noise. I would never that. do that. You'd have to no pay me an exorbitant, yeah, disgusting yeah. amount of money to, to be No way. It. <laughs> um, but it does, you know, if I could do a total recall thing, like, you know, have the memory implanted, that sounds awesome. <laughs> That's yeah. a great way to look at it. Yeah. <laughs> have the positive <laughs> memories of it sounds pretty cool, but to do it at the time With does not sound risk, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, speaking of Oral Cha- Oracle Challenger, I want to jump forward just because I don't want to forget the question. Um, one of the things, speaking of Ben Freelove and that, and that dissertation on snap rolls, uh, one of the things that for me as a, gosh, cause he gave this, um, shit, I wasn't even an instructor at Attitude. He had, ha- was at Tatima, uh, and came back just that this was an IAC meeting that happened to be at Attitude in Livermore. But I want to say I was either just doing my licenses or I was there working as a kid doing, you know, airplane washes for lessons. Um, and he talked about the Oracle Challenger and somebody had asked him like, you know, cause he had either flown it or, or at the time was maybe ferrying it between shows or something like that. Um, but had flown it and his breakdown of how different it is from a normal pits was really fascinating. I'm assuming you've flown all variations of Sean's challenge, Oracle Challenger. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Can you give a, just a, an, a kind of a geeks breakdown of just how different that is. You know, everybody's like, Oh, you know, the Oracle Challenger pits. And it's like that, that ain't a pits, dude. As much as it is, I'm sure, in so many ways. But can you give a kind of a breakdown of like this is yeah, how this when, is what really, is like to fly those? Yeah, absolutely. This is, so, this I mean, is really it, for like this is for Mark for Mark Spank Bank right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Mark, mute your microphone for a minute. <laughs> <laughs> no, so um, so it, it really it really still has like the total soul of a pit. So. Um, you know, so much of it would, um, for any pits pilot would feel, um, you'd, you'd feel at home in it, um, in terms of like the aerodynamics of it, you know, kind of the way in my mind, like the way it snaps, the way it, uh, tumbles, the way it centrifuges, all that kind of stuff is, is really, really sort of pits centric or, um, still in line with just like, you know, the pits S ones and S twos, the stock ones. Um, but it's kind of everything taken to an extreme. And, um, you know, so like the, and my dad had some kind of like, I wouldn't, I wouldn't set the airplane up the way that he set it up in terms of, you know, in particular, the Aetherons, the, the eight Aetheron machine is really, really beautiful. I've flown, um, both his and then as well, Weish Coleman had a, um, uh, a wolf pits built. Wolf, um, wolf, yeah. Yeah. And so, uh, you know, Weish, Weish, my dad's, um, the one that's going into the Smithsonian right now is actually, you know, kind of like version two. That that was um, Weiss went up there and had that one built, and then my dad had to have one. 
<laughs> and, um, but it's, uh, because, you know, that was like all custom built, you know, custom fuselage, all that. Before that, my dad had a, um, a pits with the wolf wings, but, uh, he still had that pits S1 fuselage or S2S fuselage. Um, but so, um, was that so the one eight hundred collect days? That uh, version? Or call- I, it was or the full like wolf wings with the eight ailerons was Oracle, as I recall. Steve Wolf probably built a few sets of wings. He might have built a set of wings for um one eight hundred collect uh ten ten two twenty days, but um, Yeah, yeah. But it wasn't like the, the modern iteration of him um when Wolf got to just actually I think he actually he actually kinda collaborated a little bit with um with Curtis Pitts on that design of those wings. Um, uh-huh. And so that was kind of, it, it, my, uh, my understanding is that was kind of like Curtis, Curtis's sort of last project before he died. Um, he was getting pretty old. Wow. Um, so yeah, there's some freaking cool history. And I, I, so yeah, in that cool. regards, it's like the ultimate pits, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. so, um, but yeah, so the eight ailerons, so I got to, and Weish's had uh, four ailerons, not eight ailerons. Um, and I got to fly both. Um, and, um, actually, uh, yeah, I mean, I went up when Weiss was still designing his pits and kind of when he was about halfway through the process, I went up with Weiss and spent, um, spent a couple nights up in Crestwell, Oregon with him and Steve. And, and, uh, uh, I think Weiss just needed somebody to be there with him and be like, uh, am I like just kind of sanity check on his ideas and then to brainstorm with and drink beers at night. <laughs> um, That's awesome. But yeah, <laughs> Weiss is a bit of fighter. He almost got himself killed in Crestwell, Oregon from, hitting on somebody's girlfriend probably <laughs> sort of an old logging town type of feel atmosphere but um uh anyways um lumberjack <laughs> yeah but so um but you know so the eight aileron version it, it has like a total beauty to it i mean i think it's um it was more efficient in it, it definitely created less drag um uh than the four aileron version um so i think like the aerodynamics of it work really well with having those ailerons you know the, basically the inner ailerons the inner four ailerons deflected half as much as the outer aileron so it's, i mean it's sort of like a propeller right you know how a propeller twists uh all the way out towards the tip and it's yeah. not it would not be efficient if it all had the same angle of attack it's the same yeah. same kind of thing thing with that um is that it certainly felt like it produced less less adverse yaw and less drag or an unnecessary drag by having it, um, having the ailerons come all the way in, but the roll rates and stuff, um, weren't really that different. And it was a little bit heavier. Um, but my dad likes his airplane, like the ailerons are neutral. I mean, you know, pretty much anywhere you let go of the stick, it will stay there. So if you deflect the stick halfway, um, it'll, and let go of the stick, it'll stay halfway deflected forever. Um, you let go of it all the way, you let go of it in the center. So it really didn't have any real good. He doesn't like a centering. Yeah. 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 And I, I, I kind of like it you know a center but you know that's how he just that's that's what he that's the feel that he likes um and then um and then it was pretty neutral uh stability um uh i guess it was it was the dynamic stability of it well take put it this way when when you're flying around cross country and you let go of the stick um if you let go of the stick it will seek like about a 3g positive pull or a 3g negative push um at any given time (laughs) Jesus. holy shit <laughs> yeah so um and uh so, i mean so it's totally purpose-built for aerobatics <laughs> enjoy that cross-country asshole try peeing into a gatorade bottle <laughs> oh my god <laughs> cross-country in that thing 
man. I would have just pissed all over the airplane just because of that. Yeah, fuck yeah. <laughs> you do for about 10 times until you figure it out. Yeah. Oh, let my go, God. Let it go out the breathing tube. Yeah. Sean gets in there. He's like, why does it smell like piss in here? <laughs> no, I, he, uh, he, he that yeah. air show we just flew. <laughs> <laughs> No, he had uh, he had he always had a Gatorade bottle in the DW, which was uh, a dick wipe, <laughs> which was a, a purpose built rag for the Gatorade bottle. That the whole crew knew it's like, oh, if that thing's still in there, you might want to put it on a pair of gloves before you empty out the turtle deck. And <laughs> oh my god, crabs! <laughs> but, um, but no, so the. Um, and then, and then the airplane. So it re, it really flew like a really really high performance fits. I mean, obviously like a, amazing amounts of power, um, amazing amounts of rudder authority. You never, you know, you could be at zero. You know, like just doing a regular hammerhead, um, you get up, get the airplane fully stopped, and just a prop, prop wash over the tail. I mean, it'll like knock your head against a canopy, giving full rudder for a hammerhead. Um, so it had just an amazing amount of rudder That's authority. Cool, and then I flew through a couple of the iterations of the tail as well. Um, and uh and did some of the early flights um on the uh eddie sourman tail like the super wacky kind of three-dimensional tail. i mean this thing had shoot i don't remember um exactly but i mean like maybe even like 60 degrees of deflection i mean it was like an ungodly amount of deflection um and then he ended up backing for the wolf fits he ended up backing that off um and they you know they did a lot of experimentation with with you know um area and uh, aerodynamic counterbalance and you know all that sort of stuff um, but, um, but yeah, so it had, and it was, it was really, the, the elevator was just as effective, um, as the, um, as the rudder, you know? So when you're super slow, I mean, it was, you, you give it forward stick and the thing just wanted to kind of suck over, over the top kind of thing. So, um, <laughs> at least it's balanced in that regard. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it was totally balanced. And, but, you know, I think one of the raddest things about it was like, um, cause my, my favorite aerodynamic or aerobatics has always been like the really slow, um, stuff like kind of smearing, smearing it around at low energy and being in control. You know, I mean, I think like the average pilot thinks that a stall is is an uncontrollable maneuver, whereas a stall is the only thing uncontrollable is, uh, about a stall in most airplanes. You know, like the Oracle Challenger uh, aside, and and maybe I don't know, maybe some of the Sukhois, the big old props and everything, um, is that you can't control altitude, right? Um, that you're losing sure. altitude, but everything else about it is super controllable, and so. Um, but that airplane in particular, um, you never, ever ran out of aileron authority. And I think part of the magic of that is that the the wingtips um, uh, from the eye struts outboard, the wing, there was some taper to the wingtip, the leading edge in particular. And so as you got towards the tip, the percentage of the aileron um, to the actual cord of the wing was, uh, I mean, shoot, at the tip, it was like 50-50 almost. Um, and then it gradually grew to, you know, like maybe, I don't know, 30% of the the wing quarter, 25% of the wing quarter, something like that. Um, and so, um, but I think that enhanced the, um, the, the, that sort of propel that constant twist of the wing, you know what I mean? From like having the eight aileron so that, uh, like a propeller, right? So like getting all the way out to the tip, you had a huge angle of attack on the wing and then that j- gradually came in. So like, uh, yeah, I mean, you could be totally stalled, like, probably 15 miles an hour over the wings and and you had it felt like you had almost as much roll authority as you did like at v and e um Jeez, that's wow. awesome yeah it's really really cool flying flying airplane we are too just far ahead in the just... timeline right now because i am like 
I've been itching at the bit this whole podcast to talk about stars of tomorrow, and I I, I can't too. contain so, myself. I can't contain myself anymore. Okay, I asked that question. So, so I asked the question about the Oracle Talent Challenger, and then I was almost being like, you know what, Mark, you're fucking canceled because this is too long of a question. I, like I, I'm, I'm let's let's do it. I'm so dying to get into the stars. Of so tomorrow. so can I say one more thing about the Oracle Challenger, and it kind of gets course. into like some like tailwheel <sighs> like pet peeve things that I have. Um, <laughs> So we'll we'll see. Um, I, I'm sort of interested to hear your guys' reaction to like the end of this. I was talking to one of my co-pilots um, in uh, for the corporate job. You know, I'm a corporate pilot for work, and I was talking to her. She's just learning how to fly tailwheels uh, right now. And does she um, know who you are? <laughs> no, seriously. Not, Not everybody is a fanboy like Sammy Mason. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Just to keep the WWF uh, thing going, right? Snap! <laughs> oh, I love it. No, um, no. So the um, yeah, our, our corporate flight department's really rad. We've uh, we've kind of convinced um, management, I think, in a really good way that like um, that we should do some aerobatic training periodically. And, like almost every year, we're able to get out and do some aerobatic training. So we we flew with like Randy Howell in the um, and the Patriots. Oh, nice in the Saber training program. Uh, in the Sabre, yeah. So, um, and we we did a bunch of fl- flying in the pits and the extras at my dad's school, um, and then went up to the Sabre and got to do the the whole thing in the Sabre. I mean, that's whole. We should talk about that too. But anyways, going back to the Oracle Challenger. So the last thing about it is that it has those um, titanium, you know, spring gear, um, which oh, are really, really. Um, th- have you guys ever flown RVs, like tailwheel RVs? Yeah. 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 So you know how they're like kind of really weirdly spongy and um, and soft. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So on on his pits, um, and I don't know if it's like the angle that they're at or whatever, but like you can, um, it, it, it sort of demands um, it demands like a, a very particular technique towards wheel landings. Like if you wheel land and then do that whole thing, which is like one of my biggest pet peeves in terms of tailwheel pilots, which is really similar, is that like. A lot of people have a, t- uh, a tool that they use, you know, all the time, um, or maybe too much, which is like when you get down close, the whole idea is that you get down close to the ground, then you stick it right with forward stick. Uh, and so in the challenger, if you did that, especially having so much elevator authority, you could totally splay out the gear. I don't know if you could, um, hit the prop, um, with, you know, with an airplane at like kind of a relatively flat attitude, but it, you oh, could, it's just it, soft enough. It's it, soft enough it, to display the gear, huh? Really, really, really soft, and it'll splay way out, and then it'll launch you back up in the air. And so, um, if you use that sort of stick it technique, then it'll, you know, if you if you use it not too hard, then it'll spray the gear out and it'll launch you up. If you use it too much, you might it, it'll splay out a lot. So um, you, maybe you could hit the prop. I don't know, but the um, but so what that demands is, and then I'm sure if you like continue the you know pilot induced oscillation thing, you could totally mess things up so um uh but you know i think you know my co-pilot was asking me where i came up with like how did i learn how to why did i come up with this technique as um like something and i was like you know i think i came up with my from my dad my dad always made me use like the the prop in my mind you know this all came from my pops um but the thing that i've adopted in tail was that the, the only way to land a tail is to um, in a wheel landing anyways, is to land kind of on the backside of the wheels. And then your, your hand can only come forward, like very, very slow. And if you, if you have to, if you land it in a way, um, where your hand can't just like relax the stick forward, if you have to push it forward, then you're doing something wrong. 
um, yeah. because you don't need to. And so, and then there's only like a very, very small number of circumstances where like bringing the stick forward quickly is acceptable. And it's like bringing the stick forward when you bring it forward quickly. I mean, it's like, you know, like, oh man, like an eighth of an inch or a quarter of an inch, probably just like you can pop it forward like a quarter of an inch yeah. and that's enough. But you neutral know, like, or slightly for, like an inch forward or neutral is like all you should ever have to go. Yeah. Yeah. And if, but so many people th- teach tail or uh, wheel landings, like you have to stick it. Right. And, and, yeah. and that just ends up with like bad habits. I mean, we're all creatures of a habit. We're all like, you know, at some point maybe we, this podcast or another one, we should talk about Bill Stein's kind of like deep survival mind and like how the brain operates under stress and all this kind of stuff. Um, but you know, the fact of the matter is if you, if you, um, were, if when you're stressed, you can't think and you go back to kind of like how you're trained. And if you're always yeah. practicing sticking it, then it, those are the people that are going to get in pilot induced oscillation and end up like hitting the prop on anything from like a Mooney or, a <laughs> or tailwheel airplanes or whatever. You know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. Anyway, so the, and, and, but so I think the, all um, that came back from, from, the challenger is weird and he, you have to land it really, really well. And so, but you can take that technique and apply it to like, apply it to all tailwheel airplanes. And that's really how you yep. should fly tailwheels probably. Agreed. Agreed. Methods, I had to relearn my, what's that? Do the method, yeah. Do the method seven sunglasses help you land tailwheels? <laughs> my peripheral vision with method seven, because they enhance the blue light is off the freaking Richter scale. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> By method seven. I love it. <laughs> yeah, I actually had to like relearn tailwheel flying after I was taught it because I there was in I learned in the Satabria at Attitude, and I was taught basically on takeoff, go full forward on the stick, and then you know bring it to slightly forward or neutral, you know, to keep the tail up and, and kind of meet the tail as it was coming up. Um, and I ended up hating that technique. And then the kind of the same thing with wheel landings. It was like you come in, you know, fast tail up. And you just get there and, and, and stick it and then really force it on and keep it on. And I'm like, man, and it wasn't until later on, somebody's like, dude, that just creates a lot of downforce on the mains. It splays the gear. It puts a lot of pressure on the tires. You wear shit out faster. Like there's a better way to do it. And it wasn't until I heard that and started doing it. I'm like, oh man, that was not, I, I kind of threw that technique out. And then I started doing the, the kind of a similar technique that you just, that you just described, like every airplane, pits, extra, Satabria, Super Decathlon, and it works great. It works fantastic, yeah. You just have yeah. to know where the ground is. <laughs> That's it. Yeah, you just got to kind of know where the ground is. And you know what? Even the, like the stick it term, you know, like the, you can stick it, you know, you, you I mean, you, you've flown with these pilots, I'm sure. Or like the stick it means stick to go like almost three-quarter f- like forward deflection where you're really you're really hammering it. You can still be, uh, you know, four inches above the runway and stick the stick to the neutral position or, or like a half inch forward or neutral and it'll come down and it'll be fine and it won't, it won't be too hard on it. But, uh, I mean, if you're, if you're like real tail up, it's just, a, it's just hard on the airplane. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think there's, I think there's like, you know, I don't know, maybe four av- or four <clears throat> uh, scenarios where that's like you know, totally acceptable. And one right. is like in super strong gusty crosswinds, it's like get to like, three inches off the ground and then, you know, like put, you know, stick that, that upwind wheel down. It, does it pain you to say it stick it, it right now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it does. You're um, like, or I, when you're landing on I an ambulance. Like, I love that you were trying to find a different word than stick it. They have the same meaning. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when you're well, like, you know, it was really gusty. So you blanket and, um, <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. 
What's another word for a, a piece of small wood? I, oh, man. <laughs> Glue that bitch to the runway. Come on. Yeah. yeah. Pin it. Pin it. <laughs> Pin that uh, donkey. Shoot. All right. Before we get into Stars of Tomorrow, I'm so fucking. This is my favorite part. I can't wait. Are you like? Can you tell delaying this? Like God, I'm like we're talking about wheel landings right now. Let's let's get into it. Uh, can, before we talk ah. about your experience in it, can you tell everybody what that is? Because quite honestly, that I mean, what the the last Stars of Tomorrow was probably over. It's approaching 15 years. Yeah, maybe more. Yeah. So uh, people may not know. Um, can you just tell us a little bit about what that was, how it was started, and and, and yeah, and, so it was really um, it was sort of my dad's way of giving back um, in a mentorship way to the industry that um, and you know because he was so grateful that uh, Leo and Charlie Hillard and Bob Hoover, you know, those guys in particular, really um, uh, he he credits those guys with kind of mentoring him into being a professional in air shows. Um, and evolving out of just, you know, like him teaching himself and being a crop duster who loves aerobatics and, um, you know, and sort of a cowboy and like, you know, he taught himself. So, um, uh, how to, how to fly air shows and, you know, um, so, and he was too young to probably make great decisions. <laughs> and so, you know, <laughs> uh, so all those guys gave him some great mentorship and some really, some tough love, um, that really kind of, so, um, that he credits with saving his life, you know, um, especially in those early days. And so it was really his way to kind of give back. And, and he saw a bunch of young people that he wanted to mentor and wanted to see, um, succeed in the business. And, um, it was sort of his, you know, mitzvah or whatever, um, to the industry. And so, um, 2003, uh, was when the stars of tomorrow happened. And it probably, you know, the idea probably came about, you know, a year or two before that. Right. And, um, I heard about it and I'm like, Oh man, I want in, you know, I'd been doing some aerobatic competition yeah. um, through high school and stuff like that. And I just thought it was like the coolest thing ever. Right. And, um, you know, air show flying had always been on my radar, um, ever since I was, you know, obviously really young. And so, um, uh, you know, so I was kind of on the short list of people. Um, and I totally didn't make the cut the first year. Um, my dad had a conversation with me. He's like, look, Eric, like you're not as ready as the rest of these guys. Like, you can't, you're, you're not making the list. And he explained it to me and, you know, told me what all these people, all these, uh, um, you know, their, their accolades and, you know, what the, they've earned, they've totally earned it more than me. Um, so Goody, to blow, to blow people's minds. Yes. Yeah, Goody, yeah. Shandy, David Ellison, um, Weiss Coleman, Nick Nilmeyer. Uh, shoot, there's one more and I'm missing. There are six of them. Um, Jesse Panzer wasn't on the, was it Jesse? No. Jesse was on the, that was after. Oh, Zach Hefley. Zach, yeah, absolutely. Zach, yeah, yeah, Zach yeah, is one of the most badass oh of them all. Pat on yep. the back for me. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so, um, so yeah, so I, I just got to kind of watch that from the sidelines and be super jealous. <laughs> oh, dude, I would have cursed, cursed everybody out. <laughs> oh, my God. Um, and, uh, yeah, and so they, they flew a bunch of shows, and they got some rad mentorship from, from Goulian and my pops. Um uh, in particular, I don't know if, I can't remember if Wayne was involved in that one. He certainly was in ours. Um, and, uh, and then a couple years later, so, you know, kind of, uh, my marching orders with that, um, was like, uh, go out and win a intermediate competition. Um, and then you can start flying air shows. Um, so I was like, okay, we got to do this. And, yeah. uh, yeah. So, um, 
uh, so I went out, I, uh, I was going to engineering school at the time. So I was spending a lot of time in the library <laughs> and, <laughs> um, uh, and so I, you know, I sort of tore away from that and competed in Delano, uh, and won, um, one, like one intermediate competition. Yeah. I competed in one intermediate competition and, um, and won it. And actually, you know what? I, I take that back. I competed in one in Paso and totally did horrible and got zero coaching. And it was like, Oh man. Um, I, you know, I was just training on my own and trying to make it up on my own and uh, did really, really horribly and talked to my dad. He's like, Oh, well you need to get coached. And I was like, well, yeah, clearly. <laughs> and so I got some good coaching from, uh, Alan Geringer and, oh, um, shit, Sherlock. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I mean, I didn't know. <laughs> just figured I'd practice a lot. <laughs> Probably be pretty good, right? No, I just got whooped. Um, but yeah, so then my next uh, intermediate competition, uh, I went and I won. Um, and, uh, you know, me and Melissa Andrzejewski um, got coached by Alan Geringer at the time. There's another dude who, it was Melissa and some other dude, I'm drawing a blank on his name uh, at the moment. And they were, they got first and second. I, I'm pretty sure that you're at least first and third um, in the nationals. Um, and they were just kicking ass throughout all the West Coast competitions. Um, and I went and beat them both. And I was like, yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, yeah. And, yeah. Um, <laughs> and, uh, and then, you know, then I basically transitioned to air show flying after that. Um, I really love the competition stuff, but you know, I think the, um, you know, like I mentioned, like my favorite acts to watch were always like, um, I mean like Jimmy Franklin, um, and Elliot Cross and those guys that were sort of more of like pure air show. And, um, and so, yeah, so the, the competition was really, for me, it was like a foundation building um, exercise, but not something that I was like super, I was more passionate about the, the air show, the kind of the freestyle side of things. Um, right. Yeah. And so then when Stars and Morrow, you know, I did that. My dad took a year off of Stars and Morrow. It was kind of a lot of work <laughs> to make sure yeah. a bunch of kids, you know, kind of stick in line. And, and, um, and well, you know, had, was, he, how many full time jobs, how many full time jobs does Sean have per year? Uh, add, yeah, to the list. add six kids to the list yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's insane <laughs> yeah and um and it was really it was more about justin the flying the stars tomorrow thing was a mentorship not just in um how to stay alive flying air shows and how to be compelling and entertaining and all that but it was also how to be a professional in every sense of the word to the to your fans to the um to the air show promoter to your sponsors you know he got some sponsors for for the um, stars in tomorrow to kind of pay for, you know, a lot of the major costs of the program. And, um, and so, um, it was a mentorship on like all the levels of air show flying. Um, Can I be honest? Yeah. So two things I have, I still have an email from your dad. I emailed him in, in 2011 when I first started instructing at attitude to bring back the stars of tomorrow and to, and to put me in coach. <laughs> uh, did, did he say which, go win, go win a intermediate competition and call me back? <laughs> he didn't. He was like, you know, if we decide to start it up, I'll let you know and we'll go through You're the hopeless. process. And yeah, no, he's like, he's like, go fuck yourself. That's basically what he said. Um, <laughs> like I'm never doing uh, that again. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Can you imagine what Nick Nomeyer put me through? <laughs> that, and that's the thing. Unfortunately, uh, and we want to, I want to get into that a little bit, but like, you know, I, how much now do you feel like the stars of tomorrow are needed? Like you want, you are obviously you're an air show pilot and you, you see the air show industry. We need the stars of tomorrow. Yeah. You know, I mean, I cast, um, they just, uh, had an, you know, I just did an interview two weeks ago or something like that. Um, because John Cutty, he asked uh, a journalist who, who writes for their magazine, um, to call around to all a bunch of young air show pilots and um, as well as I don't know who else he had on this list, but for sure the young air, air show pilots 
to uh, to figure out like what's the problem? Like, why is the average age of an air show pilot fifty six? Um, yeah. How do we Money. get younger? How, how do we get younger younger people into um, you know this industry? I mean, fifty six is too old for the average age um, for to, for it to be sustainable, right? Yeah, I agree. So, um, so yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. It's that's, totally, that's, totally needed, yeah. and it was it was absolutely like the best possible way to get get people in to flying air shows and thinking about it in in the right way because it was a mentorship on you know because the whole thing is it's really dangerous right the margins are really really low and so you have to mitigate those risks down to sort of an acceptable um an acceptable level i mean everything's dangerous my my great grandpa literally um got hit by a bus walking across the street um and he died that way people do you know people that you know the whole thing about you know the mo- most dangerous day yeah. of a pilot's or time of a pilot's life is driving to the airport and i don't know yep. if it's or not but you have to mitigate that risk down to an acceptable level. And I think you really can, um, you know, look at, look at all these guys, Matt Chapman, Mike Goulian, um, you know, Shipley, Bill Stein, like all these guys, Wayne Hanley, like all these guys who've, um, Patty Wagstaff, all these legends who have, um, done it their, your, their whole career. Your dad, I guess, I guess. Even my dad, totally. Um, I guess, and, I mean, uh, I don't like, know. How do you, um, so it's, <laughs> it's totally possible, but you have to, you have to approach it with a, a certain amount of reverence and um, yeah. and professionalism to even have a shot at it, uh, at being at surviving it, right? Um, and then uh, if you do that, then it, it becomes like a really interesting study of like the psychology of the self, and you know, kind of meditative yeah. um, in a way. So were you were you it's close with Nick Nomeyer? What's that? Were you close with Nick Nomeyer? Oh, dude, he was like my freaking soul brother, man. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, man. I mean, um, not just in flying, but like. You know, I mean, um, yeah, uh, uh, absolutely. He was one of my best friends and totally like brother from another mother. So he yeah. was on this, the, was that the, at that time, the third iteration of stars of tomorrow or the second, was there only no, two? Yeah, there was only two. And he was the last, obviously. Yeah, um, he was, so Nick was on both of them. He was on both. That's yeah. right. Cause he was lead for the second, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then obviously, uh, some more, you know, famous names to go through on the second, um, which was what Kevin Coleman was, um, was he, he Kevin Coleman was a, was he on the first or the second? No, none. No, Kevin Coleman he was, was nev- a- never part of the stars and tomorrow. He, you know, he, he was. My, my dad has done, you know, so like Kevin, so since the stars of tomorrow, um, my dad did a similar sort of thing and um, was sort of left less pomp and the circumstance and formality um with kevin coleman as well as uh sammy mason you know it, like okay, yeah. my dad really got him my understanding is he, he really got both of them like into flying oshkosh and um, yeah, kind of yeah. took him under his wing in a similar sort of program to the stars of tomorrow um okay and, so the know, second inter- the second got, iteration like, of stars and got all these guys involved and really coached these guys and opened the doors for them um uh, gotcha in, in a big way but but it wasn't yeah it wasn't like a big giant formal program it was more of just kind of the traditional way of mentoring so it was you jesse panzer and nick yeah what yeah why was nick so good and, he was just naturally Melissa, talented oh yeah i mean nick he was um yeah he was just total like savant in the way that you know sammy mason is actually you know what i think in a different way like sammy like i said i think the reason sammy's so good is that like He's just into figuring things out. Like if you go any given day, you go down to Santa Paula, I bet you like 
250 days out of the year, Sammy at sunset is going to go fly his cub for like 20, 22 minutes. And he's going to do like the 18 touch and goes in the thing. Um, just uh-huh. because and it's like, you know, he's probably done like 10,000 touch and goes in a cub and, and he's still probably getting better every time because, um, and always coming up with like new techniques to try. I mean, like, you know, the whole thing of like landing without touching the stick and only using the throttle and doing like an absolute perfect landing, um, uh, because he's done 10, done it 10,000 times. Right. Um, and yeah. so, yeah. um, I think that's why Sammy is so good. Nick, um, Nick was sort of, um, he wasn't as much of a scientist about things. He was certainly like had a, like I was, all of us were really surprised, um, that he killed himself in, in the airplane. Um, he, he was totally a professional. Um, I mean, I remember sort of before, before I got, um, before I got into the stars in tomorrow for sure, probably when I was, uh, kind of in that aerobatic competition or maybe right after I, um, competed in that, um, the, you know, right after my competition deal of like the intermediate level competition, um, Nick and I went flying. Um, he came down to King city. He was doing some training with Wayne probably. And I was going to go up and practice. And so we just kind of went out and did some loose formation and stuff. And, and we were lined up together. It was just beautiful evening and making it sound romantic, like a long walk on the beach, right? (laughs) (laughs) You know, like we were in the run up area and, um, and, um, we both did a run up and then he looked over and, um, you know, I was like, too young and cocky and like the whole stars of tomorrow kind of groomed this part of me out um but you know like uh in the run-up he looked over to see if i was ready to take off and like i i, I was still, still had my power up so i like nodded with the tail like i brought the tail off the ground holding the brakes and then brought it back down and he looked at me and just shook his head and was like oh you know what that's a good point like that's totally not how you should act in an airplane um so um noted right and um you know it's like show off takeoffs i mean that's one of the things i respect about my dad the most is that like i've never seen my dad ever show do a show off takeoff um he always takes off and climbs at like you know like if he was in a cessna he'd climb at three degrees and you know in the challenger he climbs at probably 22 degrees or something like that because there's you know he's he could climb at that angle to 10,000 feet or something like that. He never will do like the Cobra takeoff, like get to 150 knots and then pull straight up um, and go straight up to 1200 feet and then level off or whatever. You know what I mean? I've never, ever once have I seen that. Um, And because people emulate people like my dad, right. Or people emulate any aerobatic pilot because you know, the local aerobatic pilot is kind of high profile and like all the kids who are learning how to fly Cessnas look up to him. So if you, I, I really think it's a big responsibility to fly air shows, but also just to kind of be like um, a pilot at an airport that's doing anything that's kind of out of the norm, the backcountry guys, like all this. Like, I think you have to approach it and spread like this kind of reverence for it um, and professionalism. Um, and um, so anyway, so Nick, you know, Nick kind of taught me that. Um, but when Nick took his airplane off, he was a total dick face. <laughs> <laughs> and, and like wild man or whatever you know what i mean in all the best kind of lovely lovely kinds of ways i mean um you know he's the most fun person to ever go to a bar with um and or just like you know like hang out at the pool or at the beach like or whatever right so um yeah nick was total soul brother and um and um and we were all really surprised i mean i think kind of at the essence of why how nick crashed and why he killed himself in the airplane is that um 
he took off his like professional like i'm approaching this as like a scientist um uh air show hat and then put on this kind of like bmx to come into land um and i think there was some suggestion that like you know he was gonna look at the runway um and he was practicing low level inverted and you know all this sort of stuff but i don't know so we can that's, get into that's like the, the story nothing bolts of that but like you that's know, the I story think, i had heard yeah it was like he was inspecting the runway yeah and there's an thing, extra and like, and like you know extras only have 12 gallons in the acro tank so you're always switching between the aerobatic tank and the wing tank and you know everybody is going to forget to switch from the aerobatic tank to the wing tank or from the wing tank to the aerobatic tank at some point because it's an extra was that tank. what it was yeah it was yeah so, so he got he got uh, himself in. so the, so the thing is, is you know we go into like how he got there you know that's another two-hour conversation probably that's, but like yeah, 10 he, steps behind he, yeah he, the he accident, got into yeah. a position where if his engine quit or even stuttered for a second, he was dead. Right. Um, and so, um, he was probably, you know, 150 feet off the ground, um, at like, you know, 70 knots, um, looking at the runway oh, to, to see it, it's seeing, you know, or maybe 80 knots. I don't know, like 85. That's knots so behind even. the backside. No, that, yeah. There's no, yeah. There, that's literally zero room. There's no, yeah. it's, there's no room. He got himself to, to a position where if his engine sputtered, he was dead. And so he probably yeah. did a like totally beautiful job of once it sputtered rolling upright and then, you know, using every last bit of energy that he could to flare, but he hit the soft dirt right next to the hard packed runway. If he hit the hard packed runway, he probably would have got out and not hardly been, you know, been like, Oh man, that was a stinger to the back. But like, not been injured but it was because he hit the soft dirt that he just instantly stopped i mean the airplane the the dirt you know it it, it probably had like 50 feet of uh, or less of like you know of a slowdown zone like kind of like path through the dirt like he just in boom hit instantly stopped and his neck broke um oh, wow. because he decelerated so fast if he had hit the hard pack runway he probably would have slid for you know 300 feet or something like that and kind of been fine um yeah so yeah so um but you know I, why he was so good is he was i think he was just kind of like yeah everybody starts off with some sort of natural gift at things you know like um like uh like at music i love music i've been trying to play the guitar since i was in like sixth grade and i'm actually starting to get okay now <laughs> but i started <laughs> off like a complete like melodic retard like i had no sense of like ear at all and i had to learn every little bit of it um, but some people just like sit down and like totally get it right from the beginning. And I think he was a combination of he like was just really naturally talented um, and he worked really hard at it and really, really loved it. Like I, I remember the first time I went into his bedroom. Um, uh, Wait, what? what? He, he also had a picture of me in his <laughs> no. no, but um, like I went into his bedroom, like he wasn't even living at his parents' house anymore. And we went up and visited his mom, who's just like the raddest lady on the planet. Um, we had a pool party up at the house. And uh, I went into his childhood bedroom and it had like the entire wall from floor to ceiling was covered in uh, magazine pictures of airplanes that he had like taped to the wall um, from the time he was probably five years old or something like that. It's so he obsessed. just loved airplanes more than anything. Um, so combine natural talent with just like a burning desire and burning passion. And he was just like magic, um, in, um, creativity and natural ability and fun and liveliness and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. He was a special dude. Yeah. There's a video of him do online you... from a while ago and it's just, you know, explosive. I love it. I mean, oh, dude, really... I'll, have to, I'll have to check it out. Was it an incognito video? No, it was like... from the ground. 
So oh. do you do you have all the lipstick cam footage? I'm assuming you do from collaborators. I'm uh, sorry, from know, uh, Stars of Tomorrow. I, um, Stars of Tomorrow. Uh, no, yeah, from, from Stars of Tomorrow. Uh, I wasn't very good at um, at compiling. I've never been good at compiling uh, any footage. I have almost none. <laughs> so Jesse Panzer has a bunch uh, of him of his lipstick cam on the extra of you guys flying. It's incredible. Yeah, you yeah. should you should you should see if you can get a copy of it. Like um, he's man. Yeah, it's a re- it's a real shame. And that was such a fun thing to watch and such a fun thing as a young. That was just so inspirational for, well, there's, for there's one more know, person our generation that, like, pilot. Hasn't been spoken about a lot, and that's the David Ellison dude. Um, <laughs> that David like, Ellison just, dude. Yeah, like no big deal. Um, yeah, but it seems like he's still. I follow him on Instagram. It seems like he's still into aviation and everything. But he was really talented too, and like then he just yeah. he just stopped yeah. flying acro. Do you know why? Um, you know, I'm, I think Nick Dyan really took the wind out of his sails, um, in a big way. Um, so you guys were like a really tight knit group then. Yeah. You know, I, so, um, I think, I think actually Dave, I think Dave thinks of me as a lush (laughs) (laughs) because every time I hung out with Dave, I also hung out with Nick and, um, and when Nick and I got together, like, uh, like, um, if we weren't flying, like we would almost like, you know, you, you know, you have that yeah, friend that like that. Every, every time you see, like you get, you drink way too much and you have way too <laughs> yeah. much fun. And you get <laughs> so Nick was that for me. Like I hardly ever drink. Um, but when I saw Nick, I was like, ended up drinking way too much. So I think Dave thinks that I'm just this total lush, <laughs> but it well, was Nick so brought it out of me. But I think not Nick brought that out of just about everybody. So hard to get on the show. <laughs> yeah but you know i actually i i re- i've always thought the world of dave i never really got to know him that well um and i never I got thought to fly he still with had an aerobatic airplane oh yeah he, dude he's got all kinds of rad airplanes he's got a yeah. eurocopter and he still has a cap i actually got a ton of time in that cap um dave's cap it's got a uh, 580 thunderbolt in it and uh, what does he keep it cap? um probably santa monica um but you know what i love that mark and i are asking like completely different questions at the same time (laughs) (laughs) the worst Uh, podcast in the world (laughs) you know so um dave was planning on doing uh, a movie like basically like the fast and furious meets like aerobatics it was kind of like the stars of tomorrow meets the fast and furious um and and so we were going to do me and the collaborators we were going to do um a lot of the stunt flying for it um, and we, uh, we actually got kind of funded for like two months straight. We, we, we did all this training and we started doing like P loops as a four ship and, uh, Humpty bumps and like all this, like just like next level stuff that we couldn't get in our airship routine that we, um, that was purely, and we trained with a helicopter, um, a couple of times. And so Dave somewhere has all this rad, rad footage that he like bought or like kind of funded us to do as part of this movie like oh Hollywood movie that he was going to do. Um, what happened? And then, uh, you know, I, I have no idea. Somehow, like, the funding got pulled for it. Um, and, uh, you know, that was right when Dave graduated film school. And since they've, they've created this, like, like just, like, powerhouse of, you know, I think Dave and his dad, or maybe even just Dave, bought, like, uh, a huge share of Paramount Studios. And they've produced, like, every 007 movie since then. And, like... Um, or maybe Mission Impossible, you know, but like all yeah. these big time movies, you like look big at league, watch movies and like it seems like seems like half of the big giant Hollywood movies are Skydance Productions. Um, 
And um, so Dave, I think I think Nick Dian, you know, Nick Nick and Dave were super super close, and um, I think Nick Dian like took a little bit of the magic out of it for him, and that was right when he graduated as a, and got super into Hollywood, and, you know. So now he's just like big time movie producer, um, but he still has his cap. I'm sure he'll never sell it. And that, and so and that's what I was flying when we were doing all the training. That was a freaking magic airplane. Is that the oh, was that your so favorite cool. aerobatic airplane? Um. You know, I don't know. I mean, well, whatever uh, you say, Mark's going to agree with you. So let's just get that straight. <laughs> Shit. He, I already uh, know he hasn't flown a midwing, so. Um. <laughs> actually, you know what? I take that back. We talked about that, but I actually got a ride with the Northern Lights when I was like, I don't know, 15 or something like Wait. that. And it was, it could have been in your airplane. I'm not sure. It <laughs> might be. Who was <laughs> Um, oh, uh, Mich- the, there was a, there was two Michelles. Like one was the lead, I think, was the man whose name Michelle, and then the the woman named Michelle. I flew with her. So I'm good friends with. Uh, Thank God Mancuso. I didn't fly with Mancuso. Oh yeah, I was say, <laughs> yeah. He's a. I love Mikey, and uh, me too. Oh, dude, he's such a cool dude. How cool is he? Right? Like he's just like some people are just cool. He's cool. Oh my God. Like, yeah. One of my favorite, one of my wife's favorite actually um, times ever was Mancuso showed up at the Rhode Island uh, air show um, with, you know, he flew up, he flew his show. And then he also had um, one of his friends had a beach 18 who he just let, you know, Mike take. And yeah, so, um, yeah. So, so Mike during the, during the you know, air show party, Mike was just giving rides, um, you know, and so he just like, take yeah i don't know six or eight people however many bj tink can hold up for kind of a cocktail cruise at sunset um and so i flew up in the cockpit with him and he let me land the thing and um i'd never flown a bj team before and oh my god that's just isn't like he, the most freakish, romantic airplane on the planet isn't mike like just so freaky freakishly talented it's like it's annoying how talented he is uh, yeah and like like gulian said it's annoying how good good looking all his girlfriends are yeah <laughs> <laughs> Right, remember Holly, Mike Mancuso, and Nick Nilmeyer probably had they're they cut from the same cloth. I think. Yeah, oh, God. <laughs> I love it. But um, where were we talking? David Ellison, 007, and James Bond, Mission Impossible. Um, no, the cap because I've heard the cap is like the the best feel ever. You know, outside, yeah, like, yeah. So, so my 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 introduction to aerobatics was um in, with Danielle Hulaguan of the French Connection. I spent a week, oh, um, awesome. or maybe two weeks, actually French flying Connection. with them. Yeah, I spent like two weeks flying with them. Um, with Danielle, um, in particular, they had a uh, aerobatic flight school down in Florida, and I spent two weeks flying with him in um when I was probably I think I was twelve, uh, in the Cap Ten. And um, have you guys flown a Cap Ten? No. Yeah. I haven't flown yeah, I mean, that, so the, yeah, that's the, what they did to us after World War Two. But <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, man. So the Cap Ten is like this totally magic airplane. Like you know, given the choice, I'd probably fly the Cap Ten over a Pitts um, for like teaching aerobatics and stuff, just because there is just like this beautiful harmonized like airplane that just feels alive. I mean, it's made out of wood. It's like you're. It's you know, it's strikingly more alive than, um, than a metal or composite airplane. I think it just has like this soul to it, I guess. And, um, and so the two thirty, the cap, you know, like all the, the high performance, the two thirty twos and stuff, they, it felt like it was just a total, like 
the iter- you know the same thing that my dad fe- airplane feels to like a S1 or an S2 a stock airplane the 232 felt to like the Cap 10B where it was just like this of course this is where this airplane would end up if you had perfect engineering all the way through kind of thing wow um, and um just super soulful super balanced um you know you hop in it and there there was a couple flights of it just like oh, okay this feels weird like the center on it feels kind of awkward or whatever and then as soon as you kind of get to it, like oh, okay i get it um it was just this magic carpet ride where like everything made sense and um was yeah it was just exactly how it was supposed to be kind of thing oh man no that's freaking cool I love to see that footage. You asked sort of what my favorite airplane is. And it's like, I don't know. It's like whatever airplane I had the most time in recently, because, you know, to me, it's all about like you getting better with each flight. And <laughs> the more current you are in whatever airplane, the you're making progress. And like that to me is, is, uh, that's the juice to me. Yeah. You like learning. Yeah. My, my favorite airplane right now is the Cub. <laughs> yeah. I don't blame you. I want to get into talking about the cub, but we can't skip over we can't skip over the collaborators. Yeah, how did that how did that come to be? Uh, I think jealousy. <laughs> <laughs> okay, love it. So I'm uh, listening. So um, <laughs> the, the stars of tomorrow. Um, you know, when we did it the second time. Um, I don't, it wasn't really supposed to be like a formation act. I mean, like the collaborators routine really was, um, the, the, the foundation of it was the stars of tomorrow routine. It was almost identical. Um, but you know, the stars of tomorrow, you had a bunch of kids, um, and like a month and a half to like figure out how to be airshow pilots together. I mean, like with Jesse Panzer, when she came out, like we were originally flying with Melissa Andrzejewski and, um, and I didn't know that. What happened with that? So she, um, I'm going to spill that tea. Yeah, yeah. She, uh, she she had some uh, maybe a strong uh, a strong letter from the FAA, I think, because um, at the time, she no, was, yeah, <laughs> at, at, at the time she was a little bit too much of a wild child, I think, um, and um, got noticed. <laughs> but uh, so she had to step down. Um, but you know, we flew with Melissa for like you know all our initial training was with Melissa, and. Um, and then Melissa got the got the letter from the FAA and was like, okay, well, she's going to have to step down. And um, I think she's grown up a lot since. I haven't spent a whole lot of time – I haven't spent hardly any time flying with her. But, um, man, she's just, like, wonderful, my kids. And it's like, you know, I think you guys will understand. Anybody that's wonderful to your kids, like, you instantly have a soft spot in your heart for them. You know what I mean? There's a special um, place. Yeah. yeah, right. And so she's sort of like anti-Melissa uh, in some regards to my kids. Uh but, um, but yeah, so, so then, so, so stars tomorrow was supposed to, uh, my dad brought Bill Stein on who I think is just like, I think he's the world's greatest thinker on formation and, you know, maybe he's like, the, like, he's like the Raiden from Mortal Kombat of formation. Yeah. Or, or like yeah. Yoda. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean like, um, yeah, he's phenomenal coach and, um, and understanding like the psychology of a person. So like, I mean like, like. So going back to the stars tomorrow, um, or, excuse me, like we'll, we'll, I'll, I'll mention the collaborators, then we'll go back to the stars tomorrow of like that origin story or whatever. But like, um, I remember showing up to a collaborators briefing, and Bill was just annoyed <laughs> at this point with everybody, I think, <laughs> and um, and he 
we all got there and you know kind of like you all show up like a formation you know like kind of the the thing was like our routine was we got together um at we know whatever time we said we're gonna start and um you know say we're gonna meet at nine or whatever and then we have like 15 minutes of like everybody like has to pee or forgot their cell phone in the car or like has to make a cup of coffee or, you know, all these, whatever all the things are, like the rituals we all go through of setting your backpack down, pulling out your notepad and, you know, whatever. Everybody, like we met and then like 15 minutes later or somewhere between 15 and 25 minutes later, we all actually sat down and actually started briefing. And um, we finally started briefing and, um, and Bill just starts. He's like, you know, um, I think the beautiful thing about the collaborators is that it was like, in a lot of ways, you know, what we'd like to preach. And in a lot of ways, it was true. It was like nameless, faceless, and rankless. It was like everybody gets critiqued and everybody wants to be better. And we all just like did our best for constructive criticism and learning as a group and individuals at any given time. Um, and then you kind of put all the egos in, you kind of, you know, it's this like dance of psychology of how do you navigate that in a productive way. Um, and, um, and Bill was annoyed this morning and he looked at us when we started briefing. He goes, <laughs> all right. Eric, and he went through everyone. You know, he said, Sean, Ben, Eric, like, and told us each. But I, when he got to me, he said, all right, Eric, today on the, um, on the echelon barrel roll, you're going to be rolled in. You're going to get sucked halfway through. And you're then that's going to force you deep, which is going to be a real bitch for me to fly because we're at four ship echelon doing a barrel roll, uh, uh, you know, a uh, clover down and then a barrel roll. Uh, or a loop to diamond transition. And um, he, he went through the entire sequence and told me exactly what I was going to do. Um, and he was annoyed. So I was annoyed by his attitude. And I'm like, okay, whatever. <laughs> and, um, and then we went out and practiced. I did my best to be like, tell myself whatever Bill's a dick. And, <laughs> and then <laughs> we went and flew and I kind of ignored him. And then son of a bitch, I did exactly what he said. And I came back and I was like, dude, I apologize <laughs> for my attitude. How did you know? <laughs> and he says, I don't know. You were just having that morning. And so, but what it is, is that Bill, like he is really, really, really intuitive about things. Um, and he's really, um, I think empathetic. And so he like, he watches, he watched how I came in and took a pee and got a cup of coffee and put my book, book bag down and like how I said, good morning. And he knew exactly how I was going to fly that day. Um, and that was, yeah oh totally that was my moment where i'm like wow bill I'm, you are the most intuitive badass coach ever and i'll listen to everything you have to say from here on out and i'm sorry i didn't before i just think the world of bill stein and um but so anyway so my dad so that's the level of coach that bill is not only does he understand formation and the psychology of it and the physics of it better than i think anybody but he can coach he can he gets under your skin and kind of like peers through your soul and sees what you need in like the way that you'd imagine like yoda <laughs> would give you coaching on anything and um and so my dad hired Bill Stein to come in or I don't know, maybe voluntold him or <laughs> got him to volunteer yeah. probably <laughs> to, uh, to come in and like give us coaching. Cause my dad's vision at the time for stars tomorrow is like, let's get these guys to do like a formation pass. And then we'll do the typical stars tomorrow thing where like one pilot comes in, does three minutes of aerobatics. And then another pilot comes in and does three minutes of aerobatics, you know, rinse, repeat. And then we'll do I a love formation I love at the too. end. Yeah. And, um, so that's what like the expectation was. And then Bill had like a month with us, um, and coached us, um, into like 
the kind of the collaborators routine. And just, and like, just for everybody listening, this is about the time where Mark was writing an email to your father. <laughs> Real talk. <laughs> yeah. And I look back on that now and like, at the time, you know, Jesse and you know, Melissa, Jesse and Nick and I, I mean, like, you know, so it started off with Melissa, Nick and I, and like, well, we just, you know, we we're all like, I don't know, like 24 years old ish or something like that. 23, I, 22, I don't know, something like that. We were like young twenties and like not scared of anything. And, you know, they told us to like stay in position and we we're like, okay, cool. Like, there was no fear about it at all. But I look back on it now, like I would be so terrified. Bill tells me like, he was so terrified, but it was like, you know, like it was all going really good. We had like, uh, John Pawson come down. We had Randy Howell come down. We had, uh, Wayne Dude, Hanley come down. Awesome. Like, we had all this like just world-class coaching. And we went from like knowing nothing about formation to flying the collaborators base routine in like, like a month. It was crazy. Wow. And, yeah. Smart. And then, um, and then Melissa had to leave and it was like, Oh crap. Like, you're not a formation if you only have two pilots. And, um, and so kind of on a whim, like, like through like this person knows this person, this knows, knows this person. It was either Jesse Panzer or Bard. (laughs) (laughs) And Jesse Panzer showed up and it was like, we had two weeks, I think before we left for our first air show. Um, and you know, and the ability to train every day. And Jesse knew a little bit about formation. Um, like she'd flown competition, like straight level competition or formation, I think. Um, and uh, and man, Jesse was like a total savant. Like if you tell Jesse to do something, like you're like, and you demonstrate it once, she just does it. Like it was totally remarkable. But like the first, we had this maneuver called the. Um, it was like have you, you remember the Red Barons where we. Um, they like they were in trail and they did this hammerhead in trail. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Okay. So we, Bill was teaching us that and we were getting pretty good at it. And it's a pretty dynamic maneuver. Um, uh, and um, uh, maybe if we have time, I'll tell you the funny story about taking my wife <laughs> flying in the collaborators <laughs> during a practice one time. Um, but um, you know, it's a really, really, there's a lot of, a, a lot of, it's, it's really complicated physics. There's um, the contracts are really important for whose responsibilities are what, and what do you do if an engine out and all this sort of stuff. And so sure. like, you know, I guess I'll tell it from my wife's perspective. Like we went, we, she flew with us in the collaborators for a couple training missions and, or like basically like the ride profile, like when we had an extra slot, um, a, like for VIP rides that, like, you know, we put her in a couple of times. And so um, I was number three in, in trail. And then we, you know, lead pulls up, does a hammerhead, I don't know, maybe uh, 300 feet behind or something like that. So as we lead is kicking for the hammerhead, you know, he's like zero airspeed. Two comes up at about like maybe 20, 50, yeah, like 15 to 30 miles an hour, you know, and like step down maybe, you know, somewhere between like 10 and 25 feet or something like that um, is like at 20 miles an hour or something like that kicking and starts kicking rudder while lead is at zero airspeed and then you know it's a waterfall effect like back 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 and so my wife you know the whole time you know i'm I'm telling her i'm like oh it's all just smoke and mirrors like you know everything it looks like you know like the blue angels when they look like they have a hit it's like oh there's plenty of room all this sort of stuff don't worry about it you know (laughs) like doing the good husband reassuring her and then um she's going for a ride and she's enjoying it just like oh this is so beautiful and then um 
we do that maneuver, and she just starts cussing me out. She's, you lying sack of shit, blah, 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 you beep, you beep, 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 you know, all these expletives. <laughs> um, she's like, that was so freaking dangerous. I can't believe you do that. Blah, blah, blah. So it's like, it's a pretty <laughs> dynamic maneuver. And so the first experience of watching um, Jesse do that maneuver is um, she, she – Bill, we're all going to do it in trail because like the training was going really, really amazing. And Bill, in his infinite wisdom, is like, you know, let's have Jesse practice that solo before she's sandwiched between Nick and Eric doing this hammerhead. And have you guys ever done a hammerhead? You know, so for that, you want to kick when you're going way faster than you would for a hammerhead in competition. So you have positive control and you don't get over torqued and end up going so you so you can fly through the maneuver so you're kicking sure. somewhere between yeah you know, for presentation sometimes you have to kick back so you're kicking somewhere between like i don't know maybe 35 miles an hour and 15 miles an hour so like you know where you're kicking with airspeed have you guys ever done a hammerhead at that speed i'm sure i probably skidded through I've one fast yeah. <laughs> so what, what, what you guys you guys should totally go up and try it um, next time you fly. It's really interesting. So, um, Trust me, I have, I have plenty of judges' remarks that say flew over the top. So I'm, <laughs> I'm an ace at flying over the top of that. <laughs> so what happens, and I think it's like the same physics that happens when you tumble an airplane, is what happens is if you're going too fast for a hammerhead and you just purely kick rudder and don't really do anything with the stick and you're not ready for it, then what happens is the airplane – yaws about 90 degrees and then it rolls uh like 45 degrees and then it pitches forward like you're going into a tumble like all of a sudden like out of nowhere the nose just goes whoop and so jesse ended up like level inverted going straight at where i would have been at 30 miles an hour (laughs) with like (laughs) hardly any control and it was like oh my god that was like but you know i wasn't afraid of anything and i saw that and was like oh wow this could be serious i think this would have been bad yeah i picture you you're like the announcer from the rocketeer like talking to your wife like it's all part of the show it's all part of the show folks (laughs) yeah um and so like that maneuver in particular is really dynamic and really complicated and you know like i think um so anyway so so my dad saw all this stuff kind of from the sidelines and his only experience flying with aerobatics uh, formation was like from him and wayne figuring out like making up how to fly formation as this like 1988 formation two ship that they had called pits as and when they both had like little s1s um and then him and patty flying um these kind of squirrel cage shows kind of making up formation um and then that was kind of only and then photo ship photo flights so i think it really started where he was like oh my god this looks freaking awesome like this is a skill that all of a sudden my kid has that i have no idea how to really do properly and so i, think I better create a team so i can be the leader <laughs> of it <laughs> I can, yeah if i <laughs> Totally. And so, um, so he did. And so I was, uh, I was so my did. first job. Yeah. yeah. And so I was, my, so that's his, his vision. He's like, I'm going to transition out of flying solo and fly formation because formation is awesome. And, you know, like in formation, you pull like three or four or five G's and like, you know, not like you're not doing like tumbles and eight negative and 10 positive. And, out, yeah. 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 So, um, so it was a synthesis of those two things. And, um, and I was, um, my dad called me, I was flying, I was a test pilot for Columbia aircraft. Uh, and, uh, my dad called me, he was like, um, 
you should come uh, start, you know, he had, he parted ways with like the, the sponsorship facil- fulfillment side of his uh, air show Oracle program. Um, they just weren't seeing eye to eye anymore, anymore or whatever. And so, um, so they parted ways. So he didn't have anybody to run like the business side of his sponsorship. Um, so he's like, Eric, I want you to come and uh, run the business side. And then like the perk is like, we'll start a formation team, like on the side, we'll let's do this. And yeah. uh, I had been a form, I had been a test pilot for Columbia. I was trying to go the engineering test pilot route. Um, and, uh, and I saw the writing on the wall that Columbia was going bankrupt. And like three months after I left, they did. And then, um, and so I, I was like, yeah, I'm getting out. I need to get out of here anyways. And flying yeah. formation sounds freaking awesome. And so, um, and we did actually one formation show as, um, you know, maybe, maybe not <laughs> like the name of our act was maybe not the most woke thing. <laughs> the name of our, in 2005, uh, the end of that year, um, or no, 2006, the year after the stars and tomorrow, just for fun. Um, it was me, Ben Freelove and Bill Stein. And the name of our act was, um, Pancho and the Three Amigos, <laughs> because because um, and I think it's like really actually kind of great storytelling. It was really engaging for the crowd because the um, because we had a S two B that didn't have a smoke system and we didn't want to invest in putting a smoke system in it. So the whole story was, will Pancho earn his smoke? <laughs> And, oh, that's good totally not woke um but yeah it was it was great storytelling that's um, awesome that yeah and so, so yeah so we um yeah so we uh and that was my first my dad's first foray in like learning aerobatic formation and stuff and he was just infatuated with it since and then we that that's when we kind of like started the collaborators we're like let's try and do this Dude. Very cool. I remember you guys. You guys came to Long Island with the collaborator. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We got, yeah. Jones Beach was a cool show. So the over water stuff is, is a is a totally different animal than flying flying over land. Yeah, because uh, like the depth perception is so different, and visibility can be all weird. And you look out towards the horizon, especially East Coast. Sometimes it's hard to tell where the horizon is um, when you're looking out over the ocean. Yeah. yeah. Oh shit. Um, so what? Um, what was your favorite show? To, to perform at with these very, I mean, obviously you have your act now in, in the cub you've been doing, you've done the the collaborators did stars of tomorrow. Like does your favorite show venue change based on the act? Um, yeah. Um, and what, what is your favorite venue and why is it fleet week? <laughs> <laughs> why do you, do you have a boat that I can land on at fleet week? <laughs> We could arrange that. I, I smell. I smell a new act coming. Yeah, the dead sick routine is going to get real interesting, though. <laughs> um, hey, yeah, you know, I mean, I think uh, I have so many favorite air shows. Like the my one of my all time favorite air shows is is uh, Santa Maria. It just happened to be um, Bill Stein actually hooked me up with it. They tried to get hire Bill uh, in, three years ago or whatever to fly his act. And he's like, I'm booked that weekend, but you should call Eric Tucker. He has a comedy act. And so they called me and they're like, Hey, um, what's a comedy act? <laughs> like they, they had, this is the first air show they ever put together. And, um, and I, I explained it to him. They're like, how much do you charge? I'm like, I don't know. I, um, I've never done a show like outside of my dad. Like I've, you know, every show I've been like sponsored through my dad's act, like, and he never charged an act. So I'm like, I don't know. I haven't even thought about it yet. Like it was all brand new. 
And so, um, so anyway, so I ended up flying their show, and it was the, I the, 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 about the <laughs> yeah, the the, 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 the Kunkels, um, this freaking wonderful family, put it together. And Chris Kunkel was the show promoter. He was like, I don't know, he was, had to have been, I don't know, twenty five to thirty. I don't know, he was sort of younger. Um, and he put it together, and he threw like a f- totally phenomenal, well executed professional show, and just took care of everybody. And it was so soulful. I mean, like Chris is third generation is. His grandpa is just one of the coolest guys who's still alive too, who um, flew P-38s in World War II and um, is oh, like wow. pen, pen pals with my son. And um, he's just this total hero legend. And his dad, you know, Chris Kunkel's dad um, runs the Jet Center. He's just like wonderful, per- wonderful person. So it's just like this, the most soulful act ever. And it was like my first time ever doing air shows kind of on my own. Um, I had one of my best friends of all time driving the ambulance for me. So it was just like, it, it, that is an all-time show for me. Going back as a kid, um, we did this model airplane show where it was my dad, um, Wayne Hanley, and Jimmy Franklin um, flew the show uh, in Ainsworth, Nebraska. And like they had a moat, and there was like a thousand model airplanes, um, but they had a moat with an aircraft carrier on it, and they were taking model airplanes off this aircraft carrier and like do this big giant squirrel cage. Um, and then, you know, my dad, Jimmy and, and Wayne flew. Um, that was super soulful. Sussex, New Jersey was amazing. Oshkosh is like a family. Looks like going to Thanksgiving in all the best kinds of ways, uh, for me. Um, man, there's some, like, Can we just talk about like, Oshkosh and what might happen. Um, yeah, but so real quick, can I give you a visual? So like one of my favorite visuals ever was flying the collaborators over in our last show. Um, over fleet week and um like i was on the bottom um of a left-hand turn you know in left wing in formation um and i was we we're at that point we were flying off bill stein so it was like my dad we we're uh uh and then bill was in slot and then ben and i were flying kind of echelon off bill and i remember seeing like this like sun kind of end of the day the reflection of bill's of the uh golden gate bridge flashing across bill's canopy uh, and just going like, holy shit, this is like so magic. Um, oh, as we're diving into the box, um, like in, in a big old giant wing over half Cuban eight in formation or whatever. You have uh, so many, to watch watch so you guys at cool pictures. Yeah, That's yeah. But so you're awesome saying about Ashkosh? Oh, um, yeah. I mean, it's kind of like, can you play the breaking news uh, song, Mark? What's that? Me play the breaking news? Yeah. Oh, you don't have it loaded. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I didn't know. Is it is it public knowledge yet? Can we, or is it something we can? I don't talk even know about? what you're talking about. I'm afraid I don't want to like. Well, we can always cut it out, right? I don't I have no. I have no idea what you're talking about. Well, we're talking about Oshkosh, and isn't there a, a Cub Comedy Act coming to Oshkosh? Oh hell yeah! There's a Cub Comedy Act coming to Oshkosh. <laughs> 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 yeah. yeah yeah no i i got the uh i got the invite from um from dennis dunbar and, and the team out there that yeah we're going to be able to take the uh the cub and the comedy act to oshkosh this year um when was the last when was the last phenomenal. time there was a cub comedy act at oshkosh not not including well kent beach is a uh uh what is He's that interstate cadet cadet yeah so Greg Coons might be huh yeah, I don't remember having. I don't. I've always remember seeing Greg Coons fly his um, decathlon at Oshkosh. He's got to have flown his comedy act there um, um, before. But yeah. um, dude, I'm but, so uh, pumped for you. You fly a badass routine with your cup. Oh, it's so much fun to watch. Oh, thanks, man. Yeah, I feel like I'm just like 
um, I feel like I'm just now getting to really like know the cub where it feels like home. I mean, you know, I feel like there's that mark where, um, you know, it, it, uh, like at some point you cross this hurdle where you're like, oh, okay, like this airplane feels like my wings. Like you don't need, it's not calculated. You're not thinking about it. It's just like this natural extension of your body. And I feel like I'm just kind of getting there with the cub and I'm, um, we had some like new, like wacky sort of entries to like snap roll type things, you know, like, and, and with the cub that I'm really excited about this year that are kind of new and, um, you know, I mean like the cub, you know, the cub, like our, my cub was built in 1941 and it's, uh, it was completely redone in 2008. So it's just this beautiful, like example of a cub and structurally very, very sound, but it's still a cub. And so yeah. I'm doing all this wacky stuff, but I'm like, I'm not pulling more than like two and a quarter G's and, um, and like I'm doing snap rolls, but I'm doing them at like, you know, five, five miles an hour, um, above stall speed. Um, so it's just like, I'm trying to be like aerodynamically very like gentle and fluid with it. Um, but it looks so weird because like, we're not used to seeing like the, the biggest loop I can possibly make if I make an L shaped loop is 300 feet. Um, so, you know, you can round the corner and probably from vertical to level and probably like something crazy, like 60 feet or something like that. So it's just like, I think optically just so that's, that's really fun. Yeah. It's, and, um, it's, it's, uh, so I think that adds a lot to like why, especially pilots like watching it. Cause it's just so different in terms of like the scale of everything is so different than like all the badass monoplanes and aerobatic plane muscle. Dude, you know, and you like know, what'd be freaking game. really cool is if you and Sammy did a cub formation act. Oh my God! Yeah, absolutely. I've I would been, pay you. I see that. I've been, I would pay hold on. For that. Where's the lube? Where's the lube? <laughs> <laughs> I've been lobbying to do some uh, air-to-air filming with with Sammy and my buddy uh, Henry Beal, who did. He's just phenomenal cinematographer, and he's got this rad like air-to-air setup. So I think we're we're gonna make that happen before too long. Um, but you know what I want to do? Like I want, like that's high on my radar as well. But you know what I want to do more than that? That is this concept that Ben Freelove and I have had since the collaborators. Um, and um, it's been this sort of joke, like since like kind of like when Red Bull started first coming out, the air races is that what we really want to do is like this mockumentary type thing. And it may be, I can kind of imagine it being now that I'm flying the cub a lot, I think um, we actually might be able to make it like real and competitive <laughs> and all this, but like, um, it's the the CRL, the Cub Racing League. That would be <laughs> awesome. And so it starts. It's like Red Bull, but it starts with um, a foot race, right? So it's like a hundred yard dash, and you got to pop start your airplane. <laughs> yeah, like race around pylons. <laughs> yeah. Dude, it'd be great because like you guys be racing, and then like after you pass, and it gives the person like a like at least five minutes to go get a hot dog. Come back. Come, come around again. <laughs> no, and then like, you know, so if you do it as a comedy act, like the course is, you know, real small and you got orchestrate it so it all works out and somebody's throwing toilet paper rolls at the other competitor and then you got one airplane that is never supposed to take off and it just goes through the weeds and then a wing falls off so it's bouncing around. <laughs> Dude, that would be awesome. That's the ultimate act right there. I love that kind of stuff. Oh man, I mean, I like, I agree. Like, did, did you guys ever see Jimmy Franklin's Czar? Oh yeah, when he wore the suit with the cape, and yes. that was in the uh, yeah, was like, the wow. out of case. Do you remember That's that a throwback? Mark? Yes. Are you? We're such nerds. I feel like we're just borderline like obsessive like stalkers. The Franklins, <laughs> dude. They're the, the, can I can I just say like the kings of Showbiz. costume. Yeah, like acts, like a legitimate act. 
Yep. Like everything had a theme. Absolutely. Yeah. I've always, I've always had a, a bottle of lube for the Franklins. (laughs) Yeah, man. I gotta start using that. I've always had a bottle of lube. I like that. Write that down. (laughs) Yeah. I'm going to write that down. So how did, how did you curate your act? Like, how did you come up with this? So I've been wanting to do it since I was like uh, 12. I spent a week flying. uh, Actually, I spent two weeks um, flying with Jimmy Minning. Um, and, um, when I was 12 years old and so he had, he didn't have an airplane or a, a vehicle to land on, but he, he had done car top landings for, you know, a long time. Um, it, but so I went, spent a couple of weeks flying his super cub with him and, um, and learning like stick and rudder skills. Yeah. And so like, you know, when I was 12, like, you know, so we, we worked on a bunch of stick and rudder skills, but we worked on a lot of comedy act type stuff. So like there was a couple exercises that we did. One in particular was what he would do is he would have me stare at the wing, the wingtip. And then he wanted me to fly. I mean, we did this like a lot, like a hundred times or something like that. The goal was to keep the wingtip exactly two feet off the ground for the length of the runway and fly exactly straight down the runway, only looking at the wingtip, keeping it exactly two feet off the ground. Um, and then, um, and then one of the other, uh, things that we did that was like equally scary (laughs) was he, what he did in his act. And I haven't got to modding out the cub to do this yet, but, um, he had a big skylight, you know, a big super cub skylight and he took it off and he stood up, um, through like, so that his waist, everything waist up was outside of the cockpit. Um, (laughs) and then he had a holster that he built for the top of the stick and he put his foot through the holster and he flew the airplane with his stick and he used to dress up like this ugly old lady. Um, yeah, I mean, (laughs) my recollection was that he was already like 75. um, I need to be friends with this guy if he's still alive. (laughs) he, he, He dressed up. He's totally one of my heroes. He dressed up, um, as uh, as a woman with bad lipstick and just like you know the worst transvestite you've ever seen in your whole life um, in the most beautiful kind of way and uh, and he flew his comedy act and so he'd stand up out of the airplane and he'd scream at the crowd like an old lady like ah! and it was like, like total like like barnstormer era show business right um, and um, like no like even if you know the comedy act is just like this big whole hoax like rodeo clown thing or not like if you think there's a lot of people that think it's real but like if you even if you know it's total hoax it was still just beautiful so beautiful show yeah and so um so he taught me to do that when I was 12 and that was totally terrifying um but I fell in love with like comedy style flying ever since then I've been wanting to do it ever since Mark what and, were you doing um, when you were 12 <laughs> Don't say a bottle of lube <laughs> There's just, there's so many things where I'm like, I was just mature enough to do this like six months ago. I was, I was dribbling a basketball. <laughs> uh, dude, I, I don't even think I could dress myself at 12. <laughs> so embarrassing. <laughs> so embarrassing. <laughs> so embarrassing. That's so cool, dude. So That's freaking awesome. Obviously, you're mixing air shows with corporate flying, but how much, I mean... Are you, I mean, are you, what are your hopes for the future in terms of, is this a nice, healthy balance between family life, work life and, and, and air show life? Yeah. Um, are you hoping to transition to kind of air show life full time eventually as things wind down or like what, what are you, what are you looking at in terms of the future? Um, you know, I mean, I think, um, you know, honestly, like my main priorities was like, I mean, I've always wanted like personally, selfishly, like my own personal needs. I've always wanted to um, uh, do a comedy act. Um, and I'm super enamored with just like learning, 
learning more about like aviation. I mean, I'm actually scheduled for my uh, glider uh, check ride for my commercial ad on, on Thursday. I mean, just like um, the whole process of learning every bit of flying um, is I'm totally enamored with like every aspect of it. Right. And, um, and so, um, so this is just like, you know, uh, commercial flying or corporate flying. Yeah, um, it, it's beautiful. I love it. It's like the scenery is great. I got the best view ever. We fly to all these rad places. I work for just a phenomenal company. I work for Cliff Bar, um, and the the owners of Cliff Bar are just some of the coolest people like on the planet. If every billionaire in the world was as cool as these people are, um, like the world would totally be a better place. They're like philanthropic to know to the nth degree. Um, they're just like stewards of the world. They're wonderful, wonderful people. So okay, like, so my, are, my your, are your super rad? But are um, your crew meals? Are your crew meals the oatmeal raisin or chocolate chip? <laughs> before? Oh, I love the white chocolate. The white chocolate because there's chocolate a different ma- ma- the macadamia chocolate, white chocolate. Oh yes, pure fire. How many clip? Yeah. How many clip? Fuck aviation. How many clip bars have you eaten today? <laughs> uh, I actually had two today. <laughs> my, 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 my wife makes fun of me because I always forget to eat, and I'm like, "Oh, I'm going surfing." It's like, uh, I'm going to grab a clip bar. Surfing. Uh, I'm going surfing, and I'm going to eat a clip bar before and after, and then go pick up my kids after school. <laughs> While wearing my method seven That's- sunglasses. <laughs> Dude, what's the kid doing with his sunglasses on while he's surfing? Bro. Bro. Paralyzed, you know what? Man. When you can just have them fall off in the ocean and just grab another pair out of the glove box, it don't matter. But yeah, man. It's all right. tough. Because you got kids. Mark's like, we have, the three of us all have kids. And, like, it's hard finding a bet. It's not hard. But it's just like there's not enough time in a day, it seems, you know, mm. to to be a good daddy, to be able to do your fashion, oh. and then you got to do something yeah. for the shit. You know what I mean? Well, yeah. I mean, honestly, I mean, so that's why I went for corporate uh, the the comedy act is because you know, number one, I've always wanted to do it. Number two, like you know, I bought my cub for twenty eight thousand eight hundred dollars, um, and the ambulance for five thousand. You know, I mean, it's like <laughs> uh, a working man can kind of afford to to get into air shows that way, right? And um, and then the other thing is like honestly like one of the biggest reasons why i did it now is because um you know my my experience growing up um in the air show world as a kid and having all the opportunities i did was just like totally like totally totally special and um and it's only because my dad was flying air shows and like kind of following his dreams and i got to like just hang out with all these guys and you know like look at my kid like my kid um he calls patty wagstaff auntie patty and Jim Kunkel, who is a World War II, um, like P-38 pilot is his pen pal, um, because of flying air shows. And then it's like, that's, that was the reason why I decided to do it now is just to like, you know, like to be a physical embodiment to my kids of like, dude, you can just like do cool shit and like dream about something wacky and do it and have fun and be a professional about it. Um, and, yeah, anything's and all that. So, yeah, yeah. So it's sort of a metaphor for the kids. It was a cool avenue. It was sort of, you know, kind of a backup plan in case, you know, because corporate jobs can kind of go away fast. Um, yeah. So it's sort of a backup plan to have and um, and then a way to like pursue, to keep pursuing or learning and growing as an aviator and, and um, in a like kind of responsible way and engaging engaging way. And then have be able to afford an airplane that I can take my kids ha- uh, flying in and teach them how to fly, you know? So, um, I mean, in it. Yeah. I did my, my nine year old, like we can be like, 
you know, uh, I, we live in the Santa Cruz mountains and, um, on a little airport up here and the, we can, um, you know, we can take off and like fly way up the coast and I can give my nine year old, I can be like, all right, take me home. And he'll like fly the cub all the way home. And it's this little tiny strip that has like big giant redwoods on all over all, all the side, one way in one way. It's sort of like more like an Alaskan strip really than like anything you'd nor- normally see. And, um, and he'll like fly the pattern, like from like 30, 40, 50 miles away, he'll like fly the airplane all the way here, fly a pattern, line up. Um, and at like three or four feet off the ground, he's like, okay, Papa, you have the controls. But if we go to King city, he totally lands it. And he's nine. He, he just barely can reach the rudder pedals. Um, Oh my gosh. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, it's just the cutest thing in the world. Like we, we had the airplane down in, um, we have a hangar down in King city, uh, um, so we keep the airplane down there, but so, um, most of the time, but we, we, you know, we brought it back up to, to the mountain up here and, um, he hadn't seen it for like six months, which is like a long time to a nine-year-old, right? Yeah. Um, to us, it was just like, I don't know. I sent a few emails. And, That's a good portion of it. <laughs> six months went by. Yeah. And, uh, and he's just super amped and like gave the airplane a big hug when he got, got to it. And, uh, and then my wife and I were talking and, um, and then all of a sudden, and he's sitting in the front seat, and all of a sudden he starts bawling, crying. And we're like, "What's going on, buddy? Like, are you okay?" And in between sobs, he, he's like, "I'm just—it's just been so long since I seen the kid. <laughs> like, like, I've grown so much, I can reach the rudder pedals now." <laughs> Aww. Aww, that's adorable. But yeah, so I mean, that's so, so like, all right, mission accomplished. That's why we did this now. Oh, you know? Yeah, yeah. Who yeah, remember the? I love it. All right. So I want, I've got a couple fastball questions. Uh, we'll, we'll kind of wrap up a couple questions that are outlandish and then, uh, get you to plug some sponsors. Then we'll get you to bed. My first fastball question and Jeff, think of some fastball questions. If you don't already have some. (laughs) Thanks a lot for putting me on the spot. (laughs) Craziest thing you've seen in an air show. That was literally what I'm not even kidding. On or offline, but after hours or during. (laughs) Um, preferably after hours. Yes, preferably after hours. <laughs> um, you know, I don't know. I have to think about that, man. The um, all right. You want me? To, I'll ask you mine while you think about that one. Yeah. All right. Craziest thing you've ever seen at an air show. <laughs> <laughs> Genius. Um, you, you know, I mean, I think I think the thing is, is like. Um, you know, I, I think crazy, crazy in airplanes is something that like I always like try and avoid and actually kind of really don't like. Right. You know, I mean, it's like crazy is scary. And it's like the biggest, you know, the, one of the biggest things that like, you know, formation. So let's talk about formation and air shows in particular, but like formations in particular, like um, Bill Stein said this, it's like the only time formation is enjoyable is when it goes as briefed. And when, um, when, when you're, um, when, when everybody behaves accordingly and nothing's scary, I mean, like, um, you know, and, and so because of that, because that's our approach, like when, when my dad had an engine failure, when we were all coming back from a photo ship flight, he had an engine failure when we were all like tight air show parade formation. And, um, and it was like, he jarred back and all of us were like, Whoa, what happened? Um, it was a fuel, fuel issue. And so he jarred back and then 
came back to life. And then, so we all like moved out a couple feet and then moved back in on like, what's happening. And then all of a sudden he jarred back really hard, really fast. And we all spread out like 25 feet. And, um, and, uh, and then it, it, it was weird. Cause we'd never like briefed. Okay. What happens if we're coming back from a photo flight and we're, 15 miles from the airport and lead has an engine failure, right? We never briefed that exact moment, but we had spent like for sure three or four times as many hours talking about formation and what ifs and every scenario we could possibly imagine. Um, as we have had, as we flew, you know I mean? Thousands and thousands of hours we spent talking about the physics of it and psychology of it and what happens this and you know, what would we do here? And so when that happened, like if we had sat and spent a week talking about how we would want, that to unfold um we couldn't have come up with a better solution than how it actually did like it kind of went as if we had briefed it and um both ben and i spread out like 100 feet or and told bill like we're clear of you so we spread out and wide so that bill could kind of keep track of us he spread moved back like 50 feet he could see us all um we called clear and um and then bill followed my dad down um and uh and kind of coached him on like just being his eyes you know because my dad was obviously preoccupied with what the hell is going on with my airplane he ultimately ended up landing on a freeway um and bill just went in trail and was like sean i i see a gap in the traffic sean i see power lines a quarter mile ahead um and was just kind of like an extra set of eyes to him and then all of us were kind of largely silent on the radio and um everything like i said it was pretty magic that everything went as if you had briefed it beforehand but only because we'd spent that many thousands of hours so yeah crazy kind of scares me um in airplanes um and um <laughs> but uh if you approach it like a profession when crazy happens it's actually kind of um uh, relieving that you'd spent all those hours preparing for it um yeah wasn't a fastball answer but <laughs> that's one of them yeah and the and the learning on that was that freeways are like crazy narrow um yeah you know, freeways seem big in a car but like you know it's kind of like the narrowest runway you've ever seen um you know it was like his wingtips were hanging over each side of the, in a pit his wingtips were hanging over each side and then he landed and as he was like kind of coming down slowing down to like you know 10 15 miles an hour he drifted over to the right to kind of get off the side and this like beat up old 1970s truck like passed him as he was going 15 miles an hour this truck passed him at like 25 looked at him and kept on going <laughs> <laughs> oh my god um i got one so you um in the collaborator collaborators you were flying the extra a lot and there's this like big battle online with like extras and or monoplanes versus pitches and this and that um are you a monoplane guy or are you a uh, biplane guy well, right now I'm a high wing monoplane guy. So that's weird. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> uh, with a cup. Uh, you know, it, it really gets back to like, dude. I freaking. I don't think there's like. Um, I mean, pits, extras, caps. Um, uh, I haven't flown the edge actually. Sukhois, like I actually totally love them all. Um, How yeah. have you not flown Bill's Edge? Uh, you know, like I don't uh, like. I've always kind of gravitated towards like the rule of like. Um, like I don't really, I'm kind of scared to fly it unless you would like pay me to fly it. Like, is this a situation that you like want me to fly it so bad that like you would pay me? Um, um, 
just because like uh, uh, man it's like i'm kind of risk averse and so like flying somebody else's thing so you know like listen one of ben freelove's stories is that he flew a sukhoi um and he kind of quit flying people's airplanes just on a whim because of this because he was distracted and he almost had a midair um in the pattern with like a 152 and ended up like i think half snapping it like because it was like oh my god i almost like he just saw it at the last possible second he came in on this 152 from above and like jank back the controls because he was super slow kind of landing and he was unfamiliar with the airplane and uh, it was first flight in a sukhoi and half snapped it at like probably 200 feet and pushed out and like totally lived and everything was you know he recovered fine because he has all this training um but to him it was like wow um i i totally almost cased it because i was in an unfamiliar airplane going flying for fun on a whim there was nothing professional about it. I didn't, I approached it like, Oh wow, this is going to be fun. Not like this is um, something that could kill me. And this is like an art and something I need to be like totally reverent and professional about every moment of it and prepare for it. Um, Where he's like, if I, if I had taken the same attitude that I use towards flying air shows as I would have towards flying the Sukhoi, then this situation probably wouldn't have happened because I would have kind of baby stepped into every aspect of it. Instead, he just like went up and, um, you know, I'm paraphrasing a lot, you know, I could be getting a lot of the details straight, but like the moral of the story is he's probably went up and like kind of ragged it out for like 10 or 15 minutes, came back super dizzy and exhausted and like still unfamiliar with the controls and like, and then, you know, that happened. So, um, so I've kind of had that attitude towards airplanes. So I've, uh, I, I haven't flown a whole lot of airplanes. I'm sure if I asked Bill, he'd be like, oh yeah, for sure. Fly it. But you know, on the other hand, like the, the, the um you know there's a lot of liability there like you know that's yeah. Bill's, like livelihood right now and and um if i just ground loop it it's like he's out of an air show season kind of thing so it's like i think that's um yeah, i agree before being like totally professional air show pilot that I, I wanted to fly everything and then after being professional air show pilot i kind of like defaulted away from that in a big big way ever since nick nilmeyer shook his head at me for being a jackass and raising the tail during run-up to show off. <laughs> that was the I end can totally... Show I can off, to- hot, which is surprising, yeah. but Nick Nilmeyer taught me not to be a jackass, but... <laughs> yeah, no, I I totally get that. And, you know, it's it's a weird thing. Like, I can totally relate. And and um, the, the shift was going from, like, recreational flying to professional flying where I was getting paid to fly. And then all of a sudden, it, it wasn't that it felt weird to just fly for fun. But it was when, like, yeah, like, oh, somebody, I'm going to fly somebody else's airplane. Like, there's nothing at stake. Like, if I was going to ferry an airplane, they're paying me to ferry the airplane. I get put on the insurance, and it's like a job. That felt, to me, no big deal. But, like, when somebody lets me borrow their airplane, they're like, hey, just go fly my pits. I'm like, man, this feels funny. And it almost takes the fu- – it's almost more fun to get paid to f- – I mean, it's obviously fun to get paid to fly, right? But it's like it almost is more fun – when you're being paid because you can be prof- more professional about it. I totally understand that like kind of nonchalant or like, you know, kind of letting the barriers down when it's just like, a, Oh, just like, here's the keys, go like kick the tires and go for it. Yeah. And then you, just, you kind of let your guard down and then, then it almost ends up being less fun. Yeah. It's less scary when it's like, there's a purpose to it or whatever. Yeah. Um, you know, it feels like the liability and the risk it, um, there's a reason for it. And so because there's a reason for it, it it's a, yeah, a different frame of mind. Um, yeah. Plus, like right. you know, like I put food on the table for the family uh, by being a pilot. So, like, that's one of my big 
big trepidations about airshow flying is like, okay, I need to approach this in a way that um, is never going to jeopardize my day job or get me a strong letter from the FAA. Sure. Uh, because uh, otherwise, like, man, we're going to go hungry. My, my wife, she's working, she's studying right now for a career. But like, you know, right now we're, um, my paycheck is the only one. Sure. Yeah. And you gotta, you gotta keep it professional and you gotta, you gotta obviously have to stay alive. <laughs> yeah. That's sort of the most, most important for sure. Yeah. Totally understand. Jeffy P any more, uh, any more fastballers? Yep. I got one more. Um, when you sold Sammy to Pitts S2B, um, did he complete the 10 hours of duel required? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, no, but I did. I did put a dildo in the turtle decks or in the tail, so that the first time he goes negative, it is going to whap him in the face. Cock slap. Yeah. Now that it's sold, is he allowed to do landings from the uh, from the back seat? Oh, that's awesome. Oh man, I just think the world of Sammy Mason. Man, he is just like the coolest cat ever. Yeah, us too. And he's, dude, he's, yeah, like, get, get this, like we, we went down and, um, I flew the Chino air show. My son ferried the cub down with me and we stopped, um, at Santa Paula and, uh, I, you know, I called Sammy from San Inez because, you know, like to fly a cub, my cub from King city to Chino, it's a three fuel stop. Yeah. So I stopped in San, San Inez. I called Sammy from San Inez. I'm like, Hey, I'm going to stop in Santa Paula for fuel. Um, and, um, and so he met me at the fuel pump and, and, uh, in the golf cart with a, you know, with the couch trailer behind. And my son was just like, what? This is the coolest thing ever. Right. And so, um, so he drove us around, gave, gave us a little tour and then we stopped there on the way back. And then, um, so me and my son went on a, uh, airplane camping trip together, um, last October. And, uh, and, uh, I'm like, where do you want to go? And, and he's like, I got to go visit my buddy, Jim Kunkel, who's like the, p38 war hero you know uh world war ii veteran and um i got to go visit my buddy sammy mason and uh and then we you know we went out to the desert and we camped and it was just this rad trip but anyways the um uh sammy was just cool as hell man when we went we, we showed up at santa paula um and sammy you know had a place for us to park the cub and you know place to pitch a tent on like this beautiful little grassy knoll and with a hammock next next to it and stuff like that and he sh- he he lined up this uh little honda 70 uh, so Sammy had a Honda 150, I think, and then um, and then a Honda 70. And my son had never ridden motorcycles before then, oh, and cool. um, and so he yeah, so he spent like three hours that night like riding riding motorcycles, and it was like you know by the time we got the airplane put away, it was nighttime, and um, and so his first experience is r- riding a motorcycle, is riding down or like the you know the, the ramp at Santa Paula with Sammy Mason like right next to him doing wheelies for like. 300 yard wheelies <laughs> my my nine-year-old son's just like yes it's the coolest thing ever so sammy i love you dad like, yeah, no. i think he was thinking sammy mason's the coolest person on the planet <laughs> whatever dad this is why we gotta talk about it sammy's my new dad now do. yeah <laughs> oh my god uh, i feel like santa paula is like the sandals of like vacations you know it's like Dude, it's, a, it's just like this very, of fun. oh yeah sure. it sounds like it and like sammy's the uh, he's the cruise ship director it was a was that club med it's the club med yeah <laughs> 
Yeah, and Sammy, dude, Sammy's parents are just the raddest, and um, both his mom and dad are super cool. So, you know, they both like how cool is it that Sammy's mom and dad they each have their own steermans. <laughs> They're not like cool. one steerman per family. They both have one. And then Sammy's dad wrote, like wrote the book on like the original book on aerobatics. Um, yeah. yeah, just that whole lineage is super rad. And then the crew they have down there, all the people um, are just wonderful. And Andy Chiavetta and I'm not uh, jealous. Just, like, I'm just, not just jealous. Whole, sees, me too. I'm I'm sure my kid's gonna move down there when he's like 14. He's gonna be like, peace guys, I'm moving to Santa Paula. I'm out of yeah. here. You're gonna be like, well, I'm coming with you. <laughs> he's been lobbying my wife ever since he got back he's like okay so here's the deal mom if we buy a hangar we can live in it down there and then um my younger son is like no nah, i don't want to do it he's like no boy if we buy a hangar and live in it we could have an airplane <laughs> so that possibly can fly to work and we could afford a boat so that we can go fishing all the time. My younger son's like, oh, keep, keep talking. Keep talking. My wife's like, oh, hell no, guys. Um. <laughs> How far away are you from Santa Paula? Um, uh, shoot, 200 miles on, or 250 yeah. miles or something. Long ways in a cub. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's an cool all day. Way. That's almost all day in a cub. <laughs> yeah. Shit. Well, shit, dude. Um, we'll, we'll get you out of here and get you to bed here pretty soon. But um, want to give you a chance to, you know, Plug sponsors, plug dates. This is the exciting thing. Um, we get to pl- start plugging air show dates, uh, yeah, which is something that, that twenty twenty did not <laughs> did not let us do. Yeah, um, apparently, yeah, apparently, Sun and Fun had like record turnout um, and a really really good show down there. So um, that's great. Yeah, so so I th- I'm pretty optimistic about everything. You know, um, uh, you know, Oshkosh is. I think they're going to go off. I think it's going to be one of the greatest Oshkosh ever. Probably. Yeah just all the pent up enthusiasm um, that yeah. everybody's had from not going. I mean, one of my best friends ever, um, he, uh, he's a transplant surgeon and just like total aviation guru has built all kinds of airplanes. He went to Oshkosh last year, even though there was no show just cause he's been every year for like the last 42 years. He's like, I'm just going to go hang out for a couple of days at Oshkosh. Just got to no go away. Just got to make the pil- That's so rad. And then he just made the pilgrimage. He's like, this is what I do every year. I'm going this year, no matter what. <laughs> Nothing's going to stop me. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. But, um, but yeah, man. So, um, hmm. So yeah, so we're flying off. It's just some random Reno. tent in the middle of Oshkosh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, security. Get like, off the runway. Get the hell out of here, bro. Who the <laughs> hell is barbecuing right now? <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, so we got Oshkosh and Reno, which is sort of um, sort of perfect. I'm actually trying to figure out how I'm gonna I'm like shoot. Should I cross country the cub, or maybe should I put the cub on a trailer, and then that way me and me and my buddy who's driving the cub, I think uh, driving the ambulance. I'm like. Uh, we'll probably end up doing that just because we can be, you know, rather than both us both slogging it out individually across the country, we'll just fly together and have a or drive together and have a supper fest. Uh, no, hell, man! Know. For all those years, like, you, did, now, you know what, Eric? For all those years that you were announcing for your pops, let your father ferry that motherfucker across the country. I mean, that is oh my god! The true barnstormer <laughs> appreciation. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, guess what we're doing? We're doing uh, Oshkosh and Reno. Reno will be awesome. That's going to be another big deal in the Cub for me. Um, you know, learn to fly super high density altitude show in the Cub. Um, yeah. So we're putting a, we're putting a mixture control on it, <laughs> which I think is going to help a lot. Um, and, um, and yeah, so that's the only air shows we're doing this year. Hopefully, we'll do some air to air filming with Sammy Mason. Um, like I said, and then, uh, dude, the Cub Racing League. So, have you guys heard of the? Um, like, so, so you guys know like the stall stall contest or the stall drag races or whatever, right? 
Yeah. Yeah. And then have you seen Arkansas? Um have you seen that? What is no. it? Sorcery. So Arkansas is this it's like this um it's sort of like the stall drag races, but it's basically like they have three or four or five different little airstrips that are within like you know a mile or two of each other or like three miles of each other or whatever and so it's this race to take off and land at each one of these and it's it's really like stall all the same people that would do stall drag race and they did this in like some hills, like the hills of arkansas yeah kind of but like in but meet stall drag race right and um kind of but not so <laughs> yeah and, and so um so i have this dream of like taking uh, the stall drag race or, or Arkansas, but like kind of mixing comedy act with it. So where it's like, you know, sort of like aerobatics install airplanes um, where like you're doing a touch and go on like a 45 degree slope hill. So it's like a touch and go wing over um, with like a big tree. You got to do a wing over around. And, um, uh, but um, so anyway, so that's a do dream it. line. Do it. Maybe some point we'll, uh, we'll, we'll be able to make it happen. I don't know how you, uh, um, I mean, the only problem is that the the candidates for it are like I don't know, Sammy Mason, <laughs> me, Greg Koontz, and Kent Peach right now, or something like that. I don't know. It's like it sounds scary, but awesome. Um, I love so how Mark's name was not in that bunch. <laughs> <laughs> send an application. I need a cub. The stall, the stars of Drag Race. <laughs> I don't know. Eric. I think he just got canceled. <laughs> 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 but um and then yeah method seven dude method seven's rad they, they're they're a local santa cruz company they've just been like they're wonderful people um and they, they uh they totally they they totally care about like making products that are really good for 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 airplanes like um you know they advertise being the first new new engineering for aviation sunglasses since like since ray-ban in the 50s but like they really do have like just these phenomenal lenses that like you know you, you i'm super snobby about um about uh you know, sunglasses because like, you know, some sunglasses you look outside and the sun shines on them and you can't see through them. Um, or you got sunglasses that are like blinding bright. Um, and then you look, or it's dark enough to, to be looking outside when it's blinding bright. And then you look inside and you can't see, you take your glasses off to like be able to see the charts or whatever inside. So method sevens are just like, they're great people. They're beautiful lenses. You can look outside and inside. Like they're great for corporate flying or, Air showing or fishing. Is there is there anything um, that the listeners can do when they order a pair of Method Seven? Can they like reference your name, or is there like a coupon code that they can enter? Oh yeah, the um, that's, a, that's a good point. I'm glad you thought about that. Let me look this up. The oh, um, well, you know, I, I I think it's Sky Cub. Let me let me look it up. Make sure you can get twenty percent off um, if you use this coupon code. Um, I'll look it up right now. We can post it on the uh, when we do the episode, right, Mark? Yeah, I can put it in the show notes. Yeah, cool, man. Um, but yeah, so um, all the show notes <laughs> <laughs> uh, for for all the people. Yeah, so Sky Dash Cub S K Y Dash C U B. Get your twenty percent off Method Sevens. We should we should have made you know we should have made a fly cool shit discount. Um, maybe we should know, do that. That would have been awesome. They're gonna, have, they're gonna completely sell out in about twenty minutes after hearing that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Basically, everything we talk about turns to solid gold. So. You're, you're welcome. <laughs> oh, that's great, dude. Um, and how about um, where can people follow you? Instagram, Facebook. Oh, yeah, we, got, that we, we got Tucker's Air Patrol on Instagram at Tucker's Air Patrol. Even if you have a house fire, call them up. <laughs> <laughs> 
you're not putting out much with that air patrol with the j3 air patrol fire but hey well man we get some weird questions when because the the ambulance is like our you know obviously the car top landing vehicle with show business you know inspired by franklin's right like i got to do something besides a a truck we got to do something rad and my wife actually found it I think she was joking, and I was like, "Oh my god!" If I bring home an ambulance from that looks like a fire truck, my kids of her life. lose their shit. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, and so now we've turned it into like the family camper van. I'm actually uh, s- sitting down in the ambulance right now. It's our family camper van. So when we take it on little surf trips or whatever, um, we get some funny questions. People are like. So what kind of rescuing you do? <laughs> Soul. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's that's awesome, crazy. dude. Man, you got anything it. else, Jeffy P? No, nah, I'm good, man. I am so uh, – I could sleep good tonight. I feel like we didn't we didn't mess up this podcast like the other ones. <laughs> this hey, is man. great. Yeah, dude, it's a pleasure talking to you. I love what you guys are doing. It's just like – you know, keeping the um, yeah, I think this is like what we all need. Just like keep the zest alive for why we why we, we gotta get you back going too I'd, after Oshkosh. Yeah, dude, I'd love to, and I'd, oh. I'd, love, I'd love to fly with you guys uh, at some point too. I mean, um, Mark and I already have plans, so Jeff, Mark, we we'll have to go fly too. Mark would love you would. I can't even tell you how happy he would be. <laughs> oh, I'm super excited, dude! Like we're gonna we're gonna make it happen. We're gonna go fly the middle. We record it. Get some footage. Yeah, absolutely. Hell yeah. I'm I'm super game. No, uh, that'll be a blast. And yeah, man, it's been it's been a lot of fun. Like we love doing the podcast, and obviously, it's been a pleasure having you on. And um, man, it's just fun to get to talk to all these people and and hear all these experiences. It's it's just awesome. Yeah, it's fun. It's a lot of fun. Cool, man. Well, looking forward to it. Looking forward to hearing more from you guys. Cool, man. We'll stay in touch. Well, thank you very much for uh, for coming on, and uh, we'll uh, we'll talk soon. Howdy. Cheers, fellas. Cheers. Thank you for listening to another episode of Fly Cool Shit. Be sure to check out our website at www.flycoolshit.com. Subscribe, rate, and review the show on iTunes and Spotify. Any questions, comments, or feedback, shoot us an email at flycoolshit at gmail.com. 